If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. The girls are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either gonna win or I'm gonna die trying. Welcome to The Winner's Edit, a Survivor's storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan. Danny. Guest host, Danny Boatwright is here today. Uh, <laughs> I wish. To talk, to talk about uh, Season 40, Winners at War, Episode 2, It's Like a Survivor Economy. Uh, that's what, this episode title was inevitable, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. This is like the most manufactured you could possibly get for an episode title with a, like, actual social currency in the game right it like i thought it was going to manifest more than it did but it happened as many of the scenes in this episode sort of happened just sort of because they had to which i think is the main complaint of this episode i thought it was enjoyable but it was very much a string of these things need to happen because they happened as opposed to like camp life and all that absolutely i mean i was i noticed when i was watching just how necessary all the content was it literally started edge of extinction to an idol find to another idol find to an idol gift back to edge of extinction to natalie selling jeremy uh advantage without power was Mm -hmm. before the immunity challenge and then you had the one tony scene other than that it was literally all advantage stuff yeah and the latter scene was great I thought the post-tribal stuff was at least captivating. It felt like there were, like, multiple decoy boots. Like, it could mm-hmm. be Danny Parvati or Ben, even, which I don't think we see a lot. Um, but yeah, the general, like, formulaic nature of this made it a little dry. To be honest, I think this episode was good in spite of itself. Right. Where normally, if it was just an episode where it was advantage, 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 it would have been bad. I think like, I think this had upside to be a bad or downside, I guess, to be a very bad episode of survivor with like no stories at all. Mm-hmm. But all the advantages were because honestly of the decision to split them up. Right. To do the half idol thing. You actually ended up having stories develop out of finding an idol other than just, I can save myself. It was who do. Okay. So Denise finds it with Ben. Awesome thing to have happen. And the series of weird events that happen, with Ben turning down the idol. He does not want the idol. He mm-hmm. wants to use it to find somebody else. And Danny or Denise is like, ooh, that's a good idea. How about poverty? And you see like a different rope of um circumstance c- circumstances stem from one decision and how different people view the game. So we see Denise wants to use it to rope in more people. Ben wants to use it to rope in more people. Adam does not. Um, and then we also learn that they like poverty. So we get like a little glimpse into a corner of the strategic layout of the tribe that we wouldn't ordinarily get because normally they wouldn't be forced to consider who to rope in as a fourth Mm -hmm. and i thought like that scene alone was really excellent television and kind of like what i come to survivor for right and i think on the other tribe uh you had kim finding it and Kim's sort of in this interesting position where who should she give it to because she doesn't have anyone close she doesn't find it with anyone and I don't know, it's like when you see Kim find that, you already know how the other tribe's idol works. 
they're like, oh, who should she give it to? Like, it's this really quick mental thinking. And I was like, oh, maybe Tyson, but Tyson's already sort of flipped on them. So maybe she should send out a feeler. And she does. It just happens to be, I don't know, I thought Kim and Sophie could work together well, but uh, given how Sophie is playing this game, doesn't look like the case. Oh, absolutely. And I think there's definitely something interesting there to note where I think Denise overall looked pretty good for choosing like, I feel like Ben and Denise's choice to use it to bring in more people was edited fairly, fairly favorably as in mm-hmm. that's a good thing to do. Kim has the same idea, exact same. She, she's a little bit more on the bottom than Denise is, but theoretically, if you take in last week, Denise isn't exactly running the tribe. So Kim has the same situation and she's like, oh, I'll use it to bridge a gap and gets buried for it. Like straight looks terrible, right? I don't know. We'll get to Kim's corner later, but true. Uh, but I, th- I thought it was fascinating, like how it's yeah. like two different styles of player are awarded completely differently based on context, right. which is what makes Survivor so good, right? Like Sophie saying she just gave an idol to the devil was an unexpected turn. Um, I don't know if having seen South Pacific, I would describe Sophie as the devil, right? But For um, sure. apparently, last time she played as like a religious. Uh, uh like because so specific was so like christianity based and bonding yeah. over bonding over god so last time she plays a missionary this time she's playing as like the devil um <laughs> but overall like i thought all the small things in this episode amounted to a really fun whole like the sum of the sum of its parts were better than the parts individually i guess where right. i thought this was an excellent like downfall of danny boat right and i have so many thoughts i can't wait to uh <laughs> dump on there but spoiler alert i'm so happy that the myth of danny boat right being like the secret greatest player of all time is decimated in this episode because i thought she played very bad i'll have more thoughts on that later um but the challenge was actually awesome not necessarily for the design but for what it forced out of the people we got to see um Sele have no like they have no physical strength because boston rob chose to do the puzzle so you have like adam there is like the second most like ben ben and jeremy look like they were picking up like 90 like Mm. so much so much weight it seemed like they were physically devastated and it was cool that it was a strategic choice to put boston rob on the puzzle limits them in the first part and the second part i thought that was really really fascinating of, of kind of like what they were forced to do right I think I sort of glazed over it. It was all, once again, components we'd seen before, but very interesting to see how that end panned out, where it's like, oh, Sully is doing this unique sort of strategy where they're getting all their pieces ready, and then it just flops. Almost amazingly, it's like Jeff is sort of selling how quickly DeCall is going, and then they are just done. And yeah, Sully is still struggling. So Mm. that part was interesting. I, I want something new make it new but hot take i think honestly stuff like this is good and i think it's i i think i'm really now in favor of whoever is doing the last part should not be able to help like if they're going to do a carnival game or like a puzzle or anything that person should not be able to help in any way beforehand so that you're forced to choose what kind of person you're putting at the end oh right anytime you sort of divvy up the labor I think is interesting. Yeah, because like, I don't know, I, I don't think it's very often that the survivor challenges of recent have actually told a story of how the tribe that lost lost. Mm-hmm. And this was, they weren't strong enough. They literally could not pick up the pieces. They looked physically brutalized and miserable. And then Boston Rob wasn't good enough at the puzzle to justify not being there before. Mm-hmm. And I, as somebody who loves stories, I liked actually seeing 
how that happened instead of just, oh, the other tribe's more athletic. Right. So I thought that was or, overall yeah. good. I guess the challenge at least didn't feel like it was like like the survivor myth of it all comes down to the puzzle. Like it did, but like you could see sort of the give and take along the way. Whereas I would say with last uh, the last immunity challenge um, where DeCall lost, it was very much like obviously they did all this stuff beforehand, but it didn't matter because Jeremy like killed exactly tossing rings. Yeah, so. this was a hard enough puzzle. Com- combined with even just like a philosophical difference of Rob being like, okay, we're going to sort out the pieces first. Like mm-hmm. he makes a gamble there. And I thought that was really interesting. Additionally, with him being so stressed, seeing that his wife has just voted out. I thought this was actually in total, a very good episode of survivor, which I was surprised of because on paper, I think it's bad, but yeah. it worked together really well. Yeah. I think ultimately I agree with that. Like unanimous vote, a bunch of idol finds um, leads to unanimous vote of Danny boat, right? Like, Sounds like a bad episode of Survivor, but mm-hmm. it wasn't. It was really fun. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of at Tribal Rob's move to have everyone dump their bags? Brilliant. I think, honestly, like one, I think this season has been a indicator just over and over again of just how good Boston Rob is at the game. He's not even a character I particularly like that much, but mm-hmm. every week, every episode, I guess we have more or less three episodes here, but we've seen something of just like a little glimmer of just how good Rob is. And that was one of them, right? Like it's one thing, like just picture on redemption Island. He does this and we'd all be like, Oh, he could only like the common excuse was, well, he could only do that because um, like you could only dominate like that because the cast was full of people that didn't know the game and the recruits and people who love Rob and all that stuff. He just made a bunch of winners dump out their bags and like, look like little quivering, like, like puppies you know what i mean like the dude is clearly just a force at this game and i thought that was really awesome to watch Mm -hmm. it was definitely emotionally it was sort of an adam's boat of like ah it's survivor i don't want to do this it sort of ruins the game but it's such a good move that i'm kind of shocked we haven't seen before like this mass dumping of all the bags um i think it's definitely a great move i just don't want it to like become sort of the meta of survivor is like gotta have all your cards on the table i mean adam and denise and even though it wasn't really featured jeremy all hid their advantage as well but at the, Did they? i think so Ooh, okay i guess this is where i kind of disagree i think one i th- i believe that this is actually if you're playing to win this is probably a really good thing for the meta to have happen um if you're boston robin you're somebody who like who's an overdog who wants to kind of control everything and be like a powerful player to try and win you want all the cards on the table so he should do this well, every tribal yeah and that's what i'm saying emotionally like i don't want to see it happen because it sort of ruins the mystery and intrigue of it mm. but like game wise definitely for sure yeah it's and brilliant I think the position rob is in i mean he's referred to as the godfather in this season where he has so many people coming to him for strategy and stuff he's in this position where i think if other people do it they like if ben did it like that is one of the things that would ostracize him more but ben i think or rob had these people i think he probably talked it over with people so that they would get into it quicker and so yeah i think it's a good move i'm just i don't know if i'm excited to see it like every episode from here on out you know yeah that's true i mean it's effectively something that has to happen every tribal right like it's like it's like it's like you're entering a concert and they frisk you to make sure you don't have any weapons or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant play. And you're right. I think only Boston Rob or someone like him 
would be able to pull this off. And I think that's extremely, extremely good. My caveat there, maybe not even caveat, but my counterpoint to what you were saying is the three people who had a problem with it were Adam, Ben, and Denise. The three people who have interacted with the idol. Do you think there's a possibility that next week's episode opens with Boss and Rob being like, last night I forced everybody to pour their bags out on the table, leave all the cards there. And the three people who had a problem with it, I'm pretty suspicious of them. Hmm. I would say it could get Adam and Ben. I think from what we saw of Denise, at least, she seemed to just be like, well, I guess so. And just going with it. So I think True. she did a good job of hiding it. But yeah, I guess it was yeah. mostly Adam and Adam and Ben really went against it. They really were raging against the idea of dumping out their bags. Even right. when they were doing it, like, I would not be surprised if they clued into the fact that, oh, those are the two that have interacted with the idol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, sort of the like next level play that Rob would do. I mean, on top of this already is that. Yeah. So, um, and even if he doesn't, it's a good argument against them. Like, oh, why did they have a problem with? Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think the fact that we like we don't get confessionals at tribal. We don't know if Rob inferred that or not. And I, mm-hmm. I would say it would be not out of the realm of possibility that he does see that as a possibility. Right. But yeah, speaking of idols, I guess the main thing I wanted to kind of talk about here is. Before the season, me, you, and a lot of other people were really low on Edge of Extinction, but there was this idea that fire tokens would be not so bad because it takes the Easter egg hunt, as they put it, out of the game of Survivor a little bit because fire tokens could supplement the way to find advantages. You more of a social currency versus, as Tommy said in last season, just finding things. Mm-hmm. Things are really interesting, especially because we're in Fiji for like the seventh Eight. season in a row eighth, eighth season in a row um where a lot of these a lot of these players have played on these beaches and mm-hmm. so a good argument in defense of them was well it's unfair if some people have already been here before and that's all been completely shattered that's a non it's a non-starter it was an assumption that this was replacing them because we saw two people in this episode in the game proper find actually and if you include natalie three people found thing from easter egg hunt well natalie's had a clue true but yeah there is still that like if we're talking about the survivor meta it's not doing anything to shake the idea of you should just be searching as much as you can because you don't have any clues to where the idol is but you know there's one out there so you might as well look for Mm -hmm. it yeah the the old thing is still true and it's just more things like that's all it is it's Mm -hmm. i think that's the other thing is like when ghost island when island of the idols all this stuff came out the every time we're like oh well it'd be kind of cool if idols just came from ghost island or whatever and they clearly just don't want that they clearly love the idols are everywhere can find them anytime thing i just at that point i'm like then what's the point of the fire tokens on a game design level i don't see the i don't see the philosophy behind it really Mm -hmm. and it's just yeah the fire tokens once again we saw with how natalie was just told oh charge one token for this she then got to give it to jeremy who she had given a fire token to and it's like, I don't know. It's just not the best execution of the system I think we could have. Oh, yeah. And I mean, especially when you think of the fact that, say, like, literally, if Sally had lost the second challenge, mm-hmm. you literally would have seen Natalie go, gives him a token, goes, gives him an idol. Next episode, finds a, what's not an idol, but effectively an idol, a advantage without power, um, and given it again to Jeremy. So Jeremy would have... If literally 
the if Jeremy doesn't ace the three rings, if that doesn't happen, Jeremy has an idol and an advantage without power for doing nothing for his friend getting voted out. Yeah, it's almost like him winning the second immunity is worse for his game almost. Yeah, like a hundred percent. Especially like he wasn't the vote out, right? It was Danny. Yeah, I mean potentially on that second one too. Yeah, like he even could like it just it's kind of wild how that works. Like you wouldn't think that like to me it's just a sign of how poorly thought out Edge of Extinction crossed fire tokens is is that we like you could effectively not get voted out if the person if your number one ally is good at finding stuff mm-hmm. it just sells you stuff like it's ludicrous to me i don't know right i love jeremy i'm happy he's doing well and has the stuff but <laughs> yeah just not uh, it's just a, a shame mm-hmm. but and then overall like i said i think this is, this episode was good in spite of itself mm-hmm. um it was seen fun seeing the downfall of danny um it's something that like i we said i said in my preseason of this uh of the season was i i want to see the referendum on danny built right is she a good player or not because there has been this like legend in the ether of her being secretly really good and hiding it from production and all that and i'm glad that i think i was vindicated but she's not that great but i think my stance is she was good for her time i think she did play guatemala pretty well but i don't think she's I don't think she's crossed the schools and made it to where Survivor is now. I don't know. I don't think old school strategy involves walking up to the wrong person, listing off an alliance that you think he's in, getting confused. To me, Danny, in this episode, obviously it's edited and whatever, but put in maybe like a bottom five of all time Survivor performance this week. Like, targeting Parvati, who's at the top of the tribe. Even if these aren't winners, whatever, like, I guess you could argue the baseline is so high that she's being marked on a really hard bell curve. But, um, like, I don't know, like, anytime you're targeting someone because they didn't talk to you for a day and they're the top of the tribe and you're mixing up people, uh, like, I don't know. If this wasn't a winter season, she'd be getting dragged as, like, worst of all time, I think. But I don't know. That's my uh, that's my take is this is bad even for old school. It had <laughs> nothing to do with advantages or anything. That's fair. So... Anything else on this episode before we move into the themes that have arisen? Uh, I mean, we're obviously going to talk a bit about the ladder scene and the other mm. scenes with bamboo tools. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I have anything else. Yeah, I guess that you're right. That was a total treat. One of one of my favorite Survivor scenes ever, I think. Like, just, it was just yeah. so cute and pure and perfect. And I think has a lot to say about the future of the game. Mm-hmm, for sure. Speaking of which, we'll move here into our long-term themes and stories of the season. Uh, I think this episode was really illuminating to what exactly we're supposed to parse from the things we sort of scratched the surface of last week. Um, And I think we missed one really, really big one. And it's one one we're going to start with this week. Episode one, Wendell talks a lot about how he wants, he came into this game wanting to not build things, but to build relationships. Um, Because in his season, he was the builder. And this time he wanted to focus more on relationships, but he was thrust back into the role of building things and people liked him for it. And we got a little montage of that this week. We get Yule and Tony both having roughly the same content where they are building a goofy thing out of bamboo to one, like accomplish a task, but more importantly to build really meaningful bonds and lower their threat status along the way. I think that is very clear that some sort of theme of, Building bridges by building tools is and lowering your uh, threat level is clearly a story in this season that will probably last for quite a while. Yeah, I 
I think it was pretty easy to note from the episode that there were these sort of two um, mirrored scenes, one with Yule making his little like tool with like a noose to grab breadfruit, where, and that's one strategy to take, whereas Tony had this preposterous ladder idea that was flimsy and twisting and falling apart, but it still worked and it still got them fruit. So I think there's the idea of these separate strategies you can almost see as they're going through, but also the idea of building something and how that makes you look to the other people on the tribe. So I think that is very strong. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, I think a lot of it is just like creating things reflecting well on other people. And I mean, I I don't think it's a coincidence that Yule's was sturdy and boring and Tony's was extravagant and dangerous. And I think that says a lot about the characters and what I think it's actually a really fun character study is right. Tony's idea of building something is a disaster of a ladder. Like this was so funny. And he's like, I designed it like that. Like um, (laughs) as like, a piece flies off and Yules is like, it's a sturdy thing that works and he gets one. Tony's bombastic call to Clem gets more than one. I think that, and he even yells, take that Yule or yeah. whatever from the top yeah. of the ladder. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really interesting. Um, I think it reflects really well for both of their longevities. I think um, additionally, I think, I mean, the inclusion of Wendell in there is pretty important too. They're all three people who look like they're going pretty far to me. Mm-hmm. And they all have stories like, being builders right i think you can almost expand this to something we'll i think talk about later where like um you see ben sort of make a relationship through his helping denise find the idol sort of this utility leading to relationships and alliances that's an excellent point Mm mm-hmm very actually you're right it might even just be using your the creative part of your mind or something to bring like build relationships right probably what the theme is um you're right especially when you sort of consider what we saw in the first episode was a lot of discussion about how a lot of these people are older and they've had all this life experience and so they can all sort of bond along those lines but and when you all have that is it an advantage to anyone no it's the sort of providing some sort of utility or ability that makes you useful and then someone you want to bond with from there mm-hmm. i mean we even have boston rob like um for example ben said we need rob right like we need rob in poverty mm-hmm. why because he's good he was the shelter guy on their tribe right like we're seeing that kind of stuff actually be seen as quite useful and necessary well and there's actually i saw someone discuss this on reddit so it's not a wholly original idea but i did sort of notice Um, Throughout the sort of post-immunity challenge discussion, everyone is sort of coming up to Rob. And in the meantime, he's playing with this sort of like hoop and stick game that he's tied to a tree, which I believe is also made of bamboo. So there's this sort of idea of Yule and Tony made these tools that they're using, whereas Rob made a game to play with. And so he's playing this game inside of the game and showing sort of Rob's like strategic ability. That's not a bad point, honestly. And you're right like i don't think we saw him move from that spot the whole episode right like no he was always like playing with that and yeah it seemed like all of the people he wanted to talk to came up to him like whether it was um ben or then danny or parvati they're all coming to that point which is very like godfather-esque right like he doesn't move people come to him which i would say isn't always the best presentation either because they're uh, weirdly i think of seer and the hammock <laughs> yeah 
or Jeremy in the hammock, right? That was like a Jeremy's trope. Oh, true. I don't know. I think it's it's not bad, I don't think, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I also think it like in a way, I think it implies he made it. I don't think we ever actually saw him make it, but mm-hmm. it's something. Maybe he just stands there all the time. Well, and depending on how much of a theory you want to see, we saw in the last season where he builds this gigantic shelter. Mm-hmm. So it's about who's being attached to building. Definitely something to keep an eye on going forward. For sure. Mm-hmm. The, I, I'm going to skip ahead here one theme and go with the idea also of in episode one, we get an excellent confessional from Tony where he talks about how he's on house arrest, but specifically the confessional where he's like, I'm just trying to make people think, take me a little bit less and less and less seriously mm-hmm. until I boom, sucker punch them. I think this mm-hmm. is related to the theme too. firmly plants Tony in the role of situating all his goofiness with a strategic reason behind it. Um, right. Almost the idea of goofiness as a mask for deception. I think we saw this with two people. One with Tony, obviously there, and one with Ben dancing. Um, we saw the really goofy scene of him beatboxing and dancing. And mm-hmm. Rob is like, Ben is trying to present himself as a goofy doofus, but I know he's not. Ben is dangerous. Rob right. sees through the mask there of Ben. But on the other side, we see everybody falling for Tony. We even have Tyson remark. I, I didn't take him seriously at first, but I think he actually thinks he's a structural engineer. <laughs> Funny confessional, but also gives you a sign that Tony's act is working. Right. It's like an interesting confessional, too, because when Tyson says, I didn't take him seriously at first, given their prior relationship from the last episode where Tony was targeting Tyson, it sort of makes you think at first, is he wanting to work with him now? Like, like what's happening? And I think it does pan out to this idea that Tyson no longer sees Tony as the threat he was. Exactly. I mean, and as Tony says, the minute that people stop th- being scared of you and taking you seriously, that's when you sucker punch them. Mm-hmm. pretty good encapsulation for tony um additionally the next time on survivor was the shark right oh right yeah and that seems just like i assume next week we will see another scene roughly the same as this yeah week. which i would say from what we can see tony's handling of that shark seems rather like safe for what it is but people are like freaking out as though it's a definite danger to the state of the camp but yeah yeah you know. <laughs> like how else are you gonna hold the shark <laughs> Um, i'm not a fisherman but yeah i think overall this idea of building and goofiness is totally all over this season and i i can only imagine it's going to continue to bear fruit breadfruit (laughs) so next up we'll move to the off talk about um crab versus snake theme specifically the idea being that you can forfeit a battle to win the war comes up big time in this episode Mm -hmm. i think jeremy says it right Mm-hmm. I don't know. I caught it and I couldn't remember where I heard it, but you refreshed my mind that it was Jeremy. So, yeah. So, basically, in this episode, Jeremy gets the advantage from the power without safety or uh, advantage without power. Um, safety without power. Safety without safety. whatever. Yeah. We talked about Stupid this last thing. season, but <laughs> Bill, maybe. I actually, I, brief tangent here. Uh, last season, we talked about how like unpolished it sounded. Like, immunity idol sounds cool and like mm-hmm. survivor-esque and right it has it has like iconography associated with it safety without power like how did this go through two quality tests you know what i mean like they decided to bring it back with the same name it's almost i think when we like when survivor first started 
no one was like, oh, an idol or immunity even. Like the words like that are attached to Survivor now have become so like engrossed with it. Like we know what they mean, but like now they're just afraid to be like a little bit subversive with what they title it. So it's like we have to see right on the like tin what it means. And like <laughs> call it like like I guess I didn't know what a medallion of power did, but like I I could figure it out. Like give us a little bit of credit. Hundred <laughs> percent. Like if you called it like like invisibility cloak or something, like that's better than power with it. Like right. it, it's confusing and weird and bad. I don't know. Terrible name doesn't like, even sound yeah. like anything. Safety even, ticket. Yeah, like we even have like the instead they use the word bequeath for the instructions. Like <laughs> make the names of things weird like that, and then the instructions simple. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. But anyway, yeah. So in episode one, Tyson obviously specifically says that of like giving up on one vote to be positive in the future. Jeremy talks about how losing Natalie um, is paying dividends for him. He wants revenge for her. And while the vote didn't go his way, he voted in the minority. He was okay with it because he was okay with losing the battle to win. Um, I think it spoke really well for Jeremy. It's clearly a, a theme of this season is that retaliation and revenge isn't the way to do it. You focus on the next battle. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, I don't know if I have anything to add. Same. It wasn't huge in this episode, but it was relevant to what it was. And in a way, you could kind of bridge it to the decision to not turn on poverty, right? Um, mm-hmm. Adam says this at the end of the episode when he says it's about the timing of when to make the big risks. Right. And it's kind of what this is, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I could try to save Danny and rope her in, but to, right now is not the time. Mm-hmm. Another way to put it, clearly is going to be, it reminds me a lot of uh, Kara Moen, actually, with uh, Cochran talking all the time about timing. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is a theme that's just going to continuously be here. Again, yeah. I hope we see the crab and snake again. Mm-hmm. This episode had the hive of bees right before Rob gets his fire token. That was pretty mm-hmm. crazy. He sort of hive says, oh, oh, no. And I thought he was referencing this like hive that has taken over the camp. But no, he's just sad. He might have been sad about the bees. <laughs> Maybe a contributing factor. Um, but yeah, we'll move here to the idea of fire tokens in the survivor economy. Clearly, it's kind of getting hammered overhead almost too much at this point i think mm-hmm. again this is relevant to jeremy fire tokens are clearly going to be a dominant narrative in this season yeah jeremy says these people don't even know how important fire tokens are um i do because i know what we're really playing with and no one else does that gives me an advantage clearly important um i don't know if it's necessarily for jeremy but i do think that nick's whole thing in episode one of like the winner is going to be someone that really successfully manages the fire tokens is Mm -hmm. going to be true. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're seeing sort of the groundwork being laid here in these first few episodes where the stakes are really low, right? Like it's like these one token items. And as we move later on, we're going to see some sort of strategy or some sort of big collection of them that leads to a big play, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a way to code edge of extinction being really important. Like, Mm-hmm. It sounds cool when it's like fire tokens and managing currency is going to be important, but as of so far, we've only seen them relate to dead person gives living person an advantage and their favorite living person that they have a yes. really good relationship with. Yeah, there hasn't been any like <laughs> high level thinking or yeah. Like, we'll see what happens when Denise realizes she's gotten Danny's token, which like bizarre, but. Right? <laughs> If you vote, like, you everyone vote. voted for you danny like give it to the other tribe uh, i guess that's a testament to, to like uh, to me 
Danny honestly lost all faith to me as a player. <laughs> like, I'm sure she had no rhyme or reason for that. Like, mm-hmm. she's just like, ah, Denise is nice. And didn't even yeah. factor in the idea that, oh, she just got voted out by her. That's true. But I don't know. <laughs> Clearly, the survivor economy thing is going to be a big deal. Right. Everyone get out your uh, economics degree because I'm sure there'll be some like macroeconomic um, mentions like we again, we even had you all in episode one talk about game theory and <laughs> using a lot of math mm-hmm. that bodes well for him. I feel like he's a top contender to be. Um, and actually, I, I want to touch on this a little bit because it kind of relates to the nerd shield theme that we had last week where you in episode one comes out like in a huge player like he's a player to take seriously but the one thing we learn is he talks a lot about math and stuff or physics or and stuff as sophie puts it this week his content was all about analyzing the caloric caloric content of breadfruit mm-hmm. yeah it was this very like small scene where he's just like i'm making this tool going to get results but hey maybe it's not worth it and just sort of very calculating which sort of leads back to Sophie's point about Yule is going to be this nerd shield. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do anything to discredit that. Yeah, he's a top candidate to be use the fire token successfully. I feel like that's going to be his like legacy on the game. Yeah, and I think it makes good for whoever's with him, but doesn't necessarily mean he wins. Means doesn't necessarily mean that he wins. Right as as the as he puts it himself, he's going to get results, but it might he might lose along the way. He might lose calories. Mm-hmm. In the yeah. pursuit, right? In mm-hmm. the pursuit of the pursuit of breadfruit only uh bears uh negative calories. <laughs> <laughs> Which that should be our theme. Next huh. up we have the idea of old school versus new school and the chaotic pace of the game. Clearly a theme still here. Mm-hmm. It's just and it's really on Sally at this point. The call seems to have been pretty mixed around, mostly because they don't have a lot of old school people on there, I think. But yeah, it's very much talking about these older players. Like Danny literally gets like called, do you feel old in a game sense? Um, and it's all, the whole sort of trajectory is about whether or not they have an alliance or not and how that relates to how they're going to play the game. Of course, they're like, um, at least for Danny's case, dissolving on themselves. And there isn't really an old school alliance, but it's still front and center. Yeah, I mean, a huge drama of this episode was Danny walking up to Ben and talking about the old school alliance, right? Like, and them kind of cutting base with Danny. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think you're right. I think this is mostly a Sally tribe theme. And probably to me anyway, I bridge the idea that Sandra versus Rob will manifest itself out of this theme. Mm -hmm. Because in episode one, we saw Sandra already be mad at Rob and Rob be pretty positive on Sandra. Sandra makes cuts, makes first blood kills Amber. And now Rob is against Sandra. Yeah. And it's interesting how even though Sandra doesn't really like utter a single word in this episode you get these just like shady looks after the challenge is over like like it's very knowing like sandra mm-hmm. did this to rob 100 like, now sandra voted out amber and then sandra made him lose the challenge so yeah I, oddly enough this reminds me a lot of the rob versus russell hance theme in heroes versus villains which sandra was on rob's side right like sandra mm-hmm. in the final tribal of heroes for villains is talking about how she was loyal to Rob's alliance. And now we have 
the inverse here where so much of the season's narrative you could um sort into people who are with sandra and who are with rob that i think is really really interesting and i think it's clear that there's going to be like a if there's a swap they're swapping together i think so yeah or that's going to pan out at some point maybe it makes it all the way to merge maybe like it could be dom chris noble-esque where like dominic abate um Mm -hmm. that was the theme of ghost islands pre-merge was right. Dom versus Chris. And I would not be surprised at all if it's the same thing here. Mm-hmm. Hopefully resulting as good of a merge episode as in Ghost Island. Yeah. Which it's interesting to compare that to Heroes versus Villains. Because like yes Sandra did remark on it in the final tribal. But it is very much sort of a pre-merge story there. So it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like something that's going to carry. And that's the case with Dom versus Chris too. Is it? It's very much a story that resolves before the end. Almost certainly. But in both those cases, it's also a theme that dominates the pre-merge, vanishes when one of them leaves, and then pays off at the end. Mm -hmm. Chris makes a huge speech in favor of Dominic, Hmm. right? Um, I think that's kind of an interesting, um, I guess, analog there. And definitely something to keep your eyes on is maybe it isn't old school versus new school. And we we, even initially, we said that it probably isn't going to be just the battle between them. It's... This weird middle seems to be where people are. Maybe it's because it is actually Rob versus Sandra or pre-games against people. Whatever. Right. The other, I think, the last prevailing theme of the season to me seems to be the idea of the past creating your present circumstances. Mm-hmm. Fire tokens obviously have are the embodiment of that. The desire to come back into the game from Edge of Extinction. Right. Uh, people's pre-games growing up their previous season. So much of the season is about that question is what does your past self make you today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You sort of have Amber right at the beginning saying like, this was such a big commitment for me to be out as early as terrible. Um, but there's a chance to be back in and I'm way less depressed because of that. It is a little ear, like almost eerily Chris Underwood. I didn't play a perfect game. Oof. Like, <laughs> Um, we'll get to my Amber thoughts pretty soon here, but, uh, yeah, it's this idea. You see it with Kim too, where Kim talks about how it's this almost chicken and egg situation where if you're a target, you need to do things to get yourself out of the bottom, but doing those things are the very things that can make you a target. And we see Sophie be like, we know Kim is the social force from one world. There's no way she can ever not be a target. Yeah, Devil Sophie summarizes this theme pretty well, right? Where it's like all Kim's interactions are coded. No one's ever going to, no matter how, she even says, no matter how likable and lovable of a Texan she is, Mm -hmm. no one is ever going to trust Kim. Right. Devil Sophie goes hard. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like, I don't know. And we even see that with Ben, right? He's like, this season... Um, last season people remember me as being the idol guy this one i'm gonna very voluntarily not take the idol and help other people take the idol Mm -hmm. i thought that was i thought that was a really interesting scene and like a fascinating strategy yeah because it's you can see the edit really straying to paint ben's because like ben is obviously looking for an idol still he just happens to be doing it with Denise. But the narrative of it is that not that he's scrambling for idols like he did last season. It's that he's using it to make a relationship. And that's an actual sort of winner strategy, per se, that they want to endorse here. To me, it really feels, I don't know if you agree with this, but it really feels like a the opposite of a smear campaign. <laughs> like a, a marketing choice to show Ben co- consciously 
refuting his past. Like, I used to just find idols. Now I'm going to focus on the things that people think good players do. To me, it feels very conscious. And I don't know if I think Ben's going to win, but I think he's clearly a main character. Mm -hmm. And is clearly a character that we're supposed to have a lot of investment in. Right. So I think that they're doing a lot to make him way more palatable to the audience. It's like, he's learned his lesson. Mm -hmm. I know, it's just, I'm sort of thinking back to the first Edge of Extinction and how you did have a lot of characters who were important, but not necessarily like winner contenders per se. And so, yeah, Ben is an interesting one to sort of slot in at this moment. For sure. I'm not as low. Yeah, I don't know. To me, he's like our protagonist, right? Like, Eh, one of them anyway. Like Tony could be that same person. True. And they're, they've been connected to each other quite close. You think so? I mean, I think in terms of like, they're both the representation of right. idol fiend turn nice guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just working for one and not for the other at the moment. But I would even say that it's working for Ben. Just robs on his scent. It, se- it seems precarious, but at least for the moment yeah, it is working. Complicated. Yeah. Tony's loved Ben's complicated, mm-hmm. but yeah, overall that theme is all over the place in this season. And I, I don't, and so you also picked up the idea of prayer being a motif in the season. Right. So in this episode, at least Kim refers to her sort of idol searching patterns as a form of prayer and the way she sort of lets the forest sort of guide her to find the idols. Um, and then later on in the episode at Tribal Council, um, Parvati talks about what you do to hope you're not the one going home. And in addition to all the sort of things about building relationships and whatnot, she mentions praying. So it's this prayers being mentioned, but I would say at least for now, it's almost secular prayer. <laughs> like mm. it's not being tied to like Christianity or any other religion at the moment. It's very like hopeful and wishful almost. And yeah, it's a prayer guided. of sorts. Yeah. So I think that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also kind of tied to it is in tell me if you think I'm wrong here. Jeff Probst kind of speech at the start where things will be hard, but you belong. I don't think it's a coincidence that Kim is the one who's kind of out here saying like, it's a prayer of sorts. I just needed something. She was somebody who was just like lambasted in the first episode. And her, fir- her introduction is just her relying on a prayer from a, of sorts from above to mm-hmm. like guide her to find an idol. Like she belongs. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's an interesting take on it because I don't think anyone was going into the season saying that Kim didn't belong. But I do Mm. like that take where it's like, things are obviously really hard for her to the extent where it's almost like Kim is so good that she's such a target that she can never be on another season. But there's a sense that she belongs. And kind of um, tied to it as well is in episode one, Denise and Kim both, Denise didn't look so negative in this one and it wasn't really brought up again, but like her and Adam were tied as like stupid, bad, can't Mm -hmm. believe they wandered out on their own almost voted out first and she's the other one who finds the idol i don't think that's uh something completely sneeze at either hmm. anyways i think that's good for our stories of the season mm. we'll move here to the delightful fantastic tv that was natalie and amber complaining about losing <laughs> and then i i thought the waterfall clue or uh water well clue was extremely in your face Oh my gosh, like, I have a mind for puzzles, I think, but, like, the moment I saw it was this, like, long poem of, like, so many lines, like, I saw it immediately. Mm-hmm. It's like, 
water. Like, and it's just, I don't know. I think that's just how different people think about like stuff. But yeah, astonishing. And I wish like it was in a place that you would look at eventually. So it was like a bummer that Natalie found it anyway, you know? Yeah, that was like, why was it just in the water well? <laughs> That's gross too. Like Natalie had to reach in there and like grab it. Like, right? <laughs> like I'm not saying like she's going to transmit a ton of germs, but like I don't want like anyone like touching my water. Like after, like if I pour a glass of water, like don't stick your finger in it. You know, I was like when she did that, it gave me like Michaela Bradshaw, like confessional vibes when she's like, like Figgy and Taylor are kissing, they're nasty, they stinky, like you haven't brushed your teeth. Like, <laughs> like what? Like, I like why why are you letting this thing through the water well? Vile. Well, I think I feel like in modern Survivor, it's pretty clear that like the water well, quote unquote, is like this weird like source of provided water that gets replenished. Yeah. Like, remember in Worlds Apart when it was like this like water tower? That they went to. Yeah. So, yeah. But still. Yeah, they, like, they, like, grab those giant, uh, like, water cooler things, probably. Like, it's mm-hmm. probably <laughs> what it is. But I also don't, I don't want everyone getting, like, I don't want people getting, like, dysentery on Survivor. Like, I have no, no interest in. Um, that's true. Like, so I'm fine with that. I If anything, that's preferable. Like, give them clean water. Like, them dying of dehydration does nothing for the TV show. Yeah, and I mean, after Korong, I think they just do not want like significant <laughs> like it's a shock that they didn't stop tony they were like please do not like we do not need you falling from a great height like yeah i'm kind of stunned like in a way that even like tyson was saying like oh he's serious like he's actually <laughs> gonna climb mm-hmm. so that was something but we're talking about extinction right um <laughs> see that's how lame it is and it was okay I like I was pretty high on this episode, but we did say like so much of the content was stuff that they had to show. Mm-hmm. That's because Edge of Extinction had like seven scenes. <laughs> it was more like three or four, but they were long and pointless, and mm-hmm. mostly them complaining or walking around. Like, right. gives yeah. me bad vibes, Joe. And yeah, while it was not thrilling, like I think it was good for Amber. Like I'm very high on Amber at the moment. Like we talked about her last episode as someone who has a chance still if she can somehow overcome the sort of inherent uh, handicap she has in that challenge. But like this content, like I said, very Chris Underwood, very, it reinforced what we had before from Amber, which Chris Underwood is interesting in that he had really bad opening episodes and then sort of broke out at edge of extinction whereas amber's sort of doing like she's just running in the same path she always was it's more rick devins than it is chris underwood yeah i would say that yeah where she's like cons- like her character did not drop a beat like she barely referenced getting voted you know what i mean like it was just like she's still there she's mm-hmm. still in the game she's not gonna drop at all that was very interesting um and you're yeah. right and to me, anyway, I don't know if I'm as high as her winning, but just her coming back seems possible. And but the thing that make I guess to me the big takeaway from this scene, this series of scenes was Amber is still an important character in the story. She says mm-hmm. she's not like she didn't want to just come out just to get voted out. She's glad that she has an option to help Rob. Right. I mean, that's the thing is that she does have this literally legally binding tie to someone who's still on the um, in the cast, not been voted out. 
So mm-hmm. it's a matter of, I mean, you could say, is Amber's story helping Rob? Is Amber's story coming back into the game? And then we'll see a tail off from there. Or is it leading to this winner's to the winner. Um, I would say I'm really like sort of low just across the board on people who could still win this season, like remarkably low after three episodes. So Amber's up there for me. Like all the pieces make sense. And I was sort of talking pre-episode with Dan about how sort of my philosophy at least is to like look for perfect edits above all else. And then once they're not perfect is to like put them to the side. So in my mind, Amber still looks really good. So that's why is she so high? She's third on my list. Yeah, that's wild to me. But I don't think it's bad reasoning, and I kind of get where you're coming from. To me, if anything, it just indicates similar. I don't think, I guess to me, the big thing is in Edge of Extinction, we pretty early on called Edge of Extinction as like the quote unquote complex tribe. Like mm-hmm. they are the tribe that get like Edge of Extinction got all the dynamics, and Chris got to talk about who he liked and didn't like. And then that happened over and over again. So we pretty early called it being a complex tribe. I don't think we've got that yet. If we do, I'd rise on Amber quite a bit. Um, right. That's the missing ingredient is the fact that her story could be she helps Rob do well is a real thing. Like for sure. That one line takes off like 20% win equity to me from Amber. If she comes back in, I think she has a good chance. Mm-hmm. But that's a big yeah. if. And this could just be to highlight how important Edge of Extinction is, not Amber. Right. And with Edge of Extinction, it's always such a tricky thing because we've seen Chris Underwood, what his edit looked like for an Edge of Extinction winner. And so it's going to be hard to imagine sort of Amber falling. I mean, I'm sure it will happen as she gets like a string of like UTR ones. And I'm like, well, obviously Amber can't win. And all that but yeah very interesting it'll be interesting to see what happens next episode with those three because i feel like they're all sort of a similar archetype and like amber and danny not natalie well yeah but i feel like they don't have the sort of like chaos that like reem and like keith and chris all had right at the beginning so there wasn't anything to sort of start the fire there i think yeah i think you have a point there um to me, Mr. Underwood uh, indicates to how I read Edge of Extinction is never count somebody out until they get closure. I think that's the ultimate lesson I took from how they'd edit Edge of Extinction. Mm. And the minute Kelly Wentworth got her like shot in the sunlight, like sundown goes down, she was never on the show again. Right. Chris Underwood's story was always he doesn't have closure. Mm, Rick Devins was he doesn't have closure. That's who came back. Like the minute somebody gives any reason at all for them to not need to win anymore, it's almost like um never mind. I was gonna spoil a show, but I'm not gonna do that. Um <laughs> anyone any good place listeners might know or watchers might know what I'm talking about. But when you're when you feel closure, you know that you're done. Um I, I'll know that they're no longer winning. Amber doesn't have that closure yet, so she's on. You'll have to tell me off, Mike, how far into The Good Place, because I'm not finished with the last season. But <laughs> um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see like someone like a Danny on Edge of Extinction, because I imagine, I would hope that that closure comes next episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, she could leave, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think she, like, if you're Danny, like, I, I to me... This is probably just mean at this point, but like, to me, I feel like she probably just should have come out, but I don't know. <laughs> um, poor Danny. I do oh. want to touch on Natalie a little bit. Um, I think she's not necessarily out of this either. One, she's a like a beast. Like, Natalie is so athletic. 
Mm-hmm. That alone like gives me some uh, points on her. But additionally, like her content's not bad. Um, it's kind of been necessary. She's found all the things so far. Mm-hmm. Her episode one was not great. Uh, there was Chris Underwoods. Um, she has like a clear rationale for wanting to come back. She has a close connection to Jeremy that keeps getting brought up. Very similar to Chris and Rick. I don't think that she's necessarily out of it at all. At least not to come back. I would actually put her quite high to come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the whole, like her scenes being so necessary sort of lowers me on her, especially with that first episode. But you're right. Chris Underwood also had that. What you can say is she definitely doesn't have closure, but that's mm-hmm. also because Jeremy's there and she's influencing the game more than Amber is at this point. So exactly. Like if Jeremy gets voted out and she's still there and getting this content, like, by natalie stock but <laughs> with all of these it's it's almost a guessing game a little bit of what their story is because edge of extinction gives everybody a departure story mm-hmm. even war dog it was he is a player in the game but he's so bad at challenges once he's once he's out of the game he he's just out you know what i mean like it's like lights out it don't matter no more yeah so i think that's interesting and definitely something to keep attention to mm-hmm. i don't think necessarily i'm at the point where i think the winner will for sure come back yet no no i think looking at my top contenders it's hard to imagine one of them going to edge of extinction the other maybe but eh. mm-hmm. one of one of mine i actually think if they win they will get voted out oh okay i'm ready to make that call on one of them but not all of them as a general rule mm-hmm. so anything else on edge of extinction before we move on the rice buckets back yeah. <laughs> um, I just wanted to add, like, like I don't know, the idea of Edge of Extinction being preseason, people being like, well, at least you get more time with your favorites. Um, like, it's so sad to see people get voted out. Um, I want to have Tony forever. Like, the reason that we we didn't see any Sandra in this episode is because Natalie had four scenes and Amber had one scene. And right. We actually get less time with our favorites. And I think that's a really sad thing. Mm -hmm. And people who like, like, obviously they can come back from Edge of Extinction, but it's not the people who matter, especially in the moment. Mm -hmm. Like, Natalie couldn't do anything to influence (laughs) Sele. Like, I mean, she kind of did, but like, it wasn't like, I don't know. Absolutely. Like, I don't know. For every confessional that Michelle doesn't get, and for every scene that Nick doesn't get strategizing or in favor of Amber being sad that she didn't win, like, Mm-hmm. every every scene of an edge of extinction person is a story of somebody else we're not seeing and right. that's really sad to me because mm-hmm. like natalie has more content now about losing and how sad she is that she didn't win than we actually saw of natalie playing survivor for sure and that's so sad mm-hmm. so <laughs> with that happy note let's move here to the call kim had a very fascinating that's who we're gonna start with because this tribe is weird um alphabetically um kim had a roller coaster of an episode right like starts at the bottom and you're like no poor kim finds an idol and you're like yes kim she said she has upward trajectory in this game and it's that she gives the traditional idol confessional of like i'm on the bottom but this thing right here this is my ticket to the end and it gets she just immediately hits a wall when she gives her idol to Sophie, I felt mm-hmm. so bad for Kim, completely deflated my energy for Kim, real bad for Kim's winner equity. Mm, I'm still high on the Kim train. I feel like if this is the story of Kim we're seeing as a winner, like it fits in. Like, and if you think about how this 
episode was all these necessary scenes. If Kim gives it to Sophie and Sophie is like, this is awful. Like you still, I think, got to show that. I mean, maybe there's sort of an avenue where Sophie says the positive way she could use this with Kim. I mean, she doesn't. Maybe she didn't say it at all. But I think it wasn't presented as awfully as I thought. When you see Kim and Sophie interact, it feels like they have some sort of like okay relationship. It's just that Sophie isn't thinking of that strategic path. Like I'm sure she's like thinking about it, but it's not when she's heavily considering. So I don't know. I think I'm probably going to be higher on Kim for a while than most people, but I don't think this was a killer for her. In the lens of Kim has an established character and strengths and weaknesses. Like you could make a Pokemon card of Kim in this season and like have stats for her. Good. That said, she gave an idol to the devil who then lambasted her and insulted her for being stupid. And she didn't have anything to say about it. She didn't even say, I'm going to make a risk here and give it to Sophie. She's just like, I always wanted to work with Sophie. She's sweet. And then (gasps) Sophie's like, not only am I not sweet, I'm the devil and you're stupid. Ha ha ha. I'll take your right. I'll vote you out. Like, I thought it was real bad. I don't know. It's good for Kim, the character. Like, Kim's going to go far, I think, or be an important character anyway. But I think if if you're saying Kim goes far, then she must sort of get out of the situation she's in. Mm. Right? So, okay. So, to me, one story we didn't mention, just because it is so personal, is, and this was very relevant in Game Changers. Early on, Troy Zan actually looked pretty dang. Troy Zan got um found an idol he had ally and then he swapped and the story very clearly for like two episodes ish was troisian versus the world troisian has nobody everyone wants troisian out there's no allies but he has an idol and a path out that's what kim got here it's the kim versus the world but Mm. with the asterisk that she can't actually save herself i think that's (sighs) like good for her longevity somewhat because she does or she's out next like, she's out next, or it's good for her longevity. Kim, though, I guess her win equity to me would be getting, like, a swap, or, as weird as it is, getting voted out. Hmm. Eh. Kim is maybe the perfect analog to Chris Underwood, right? Like, Oh, yeah, at this point, I guess that's true. She wanted to play her perfect game and call the shots, but no one gave her a chance. Until... That's a possibility. Hmm. I do like that possibility. That said, I I, I mean, it's not for nothing of all the content we saw. This is one of them, right? Like she did get a really (laughs) important character scene. Yeah, I guess I will leave Kim with this solidly hot take. Kim is fifth on my contenders list, but I would never put her on the like official list. (laughs) It's just that's sort of where the season is at for me. I have so few contenders like Kim is up there and I see it, but I can't. It's like not something I don't expect people to agree with it. It only makes sense in a specific path. She's like the cutoff. Mm, okay. And so my feels... question here for you is, okay. is it you don't want her there because like say um, like no one gets to see your list ever. Uh, it's in your diary. Uh, okay. And is she on there? No. No, okay. So it's it's she's she has so much less win equity than the top four. Yes. Yeah, I gotcha. think that is a it's good not embarrassment out of Well, it sort of is to that though. It it's in the fact that it feels so fan fiction-y to me that I sort of in part realize this is a very specific way that it has to go for her to win, and thus yes. it's not as high as the next person. 
Yeah, that's the thing eh, is Edge of Extinction inherently makes it so developed characters that you know things about them, even if it's basic things, adds their equity so much more than the people like I don't think you're like any like UTR quirky people are ever going to win Edge of Extinction unless they have like a very clear character trait. Chris, Mm -hmm. good at challenges, provider, decent at the game, wants to play perfect game. To me, in hindsight, looking at Chris, the uh, real checkboxes were Joe not getting provider content on Edge of Extinction. Right. Stuff like that. Like Chris being the one who slays the squid and all that kind of stuff is where we should have been like, oh, it's him. We we figured it was Edge of Extinction. We just picked the wrong horse a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that. It's where you went. So when they come back in the game, they can establish them as the provider guy or whatever. Right. And I so, was like, I, yeah, I had totally not considered Kim as the Edge of Extinction winner, even though it makes like more and more sense the more I think about it. Because in that first episode, the very first challenge, she has that really good challenge content. So Kim for a returnee, at least maybe. It's a possibility. It's also possible it's the swap. Like, it's the same story, right? It's a second chance. Mm-hmm. Um, like, she could swap and then get a new life in the game. They're both possible. Um, right. I think you're right that I don't think she gets voted out from... Because we're not getting a swap next episode. Nope. So, we're probably also not getting one the next episode. Mm. So, to me, that means probably they're going to vote it two more people or whatever um kim doesn't read like that boot to me Mm -hmm. like i feel like it's somebody else but right could be wrong on that i don't know we'll see interesting character i'm glad like even i don't know if we wanted like obvious kim winner i don't think that would be as fun as this kim no which like this kim is it like i don't think anyone's like dream character like top of your all-time character rankings but it's fun for me at least so yeah i mean i think this is (laughs) hot take more interesting than former kim absolutely yeah, so that's something. Yeah. So next we'll move here to our boy Nick, who is not in this episode. <laughs> Literally, like, first watch didn't see him at all. Could have not been on the island. Second time he does refer to Sandra as the queen after they win the challenge. Yeah. And yeah, that's it. And that's really, really bad for Nick. <laughs> yeah, I'm not winning our winner's uh, bet. <laughs> he was my preseason winner pick. That man is not winning. Um, I mean, we have Kim and Nick, so... We're in similar boats. Kim is better than Nick. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I, I will trade you right now. <laughs> hmm. Um, Literally, other, as of right now, his only content is that he likes Yule and fire tokens exist. I would say let's devil's Sophie's advocate for this. Um, DeCall didn't go to tribal council. There was a lot of necessary stuff to show. Like if this is the one episode where he doesn't have content, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. True. If all other episodes he is important, it's possible. Because episode one wasn't bad. He's in a good group. Ironically enough, he could be the Danny Boatwright or Natalie White or something like that to somebody else. Mm -hmm. That's in play. I just don't think it's super high. He also doesn't really have a story. Right. I'm sure everyone was commenting on Tony's ladder. So, like, he could have been one of the commenters. Yeah, he's a confessionalist. It was Tyson and... Other people like that, so... 100%. And, like, especially when you think about the fact that we kind of pointed this out last week, too, where the characters that were getting, like, the top billing in the episode, weirdly, was, like, Sophie and Tyson. They felt like the main characters, and Nick doesn't. Mm -hmm. Nick was the most visible character in his season. Sophie was, like, eighth. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're just looking at it on par, Nick should probably be... He was the most visible winner of all time, right? Like, most confessionals or whatever for a winner. 
other than I guess Boston Rob, but hmm. that's something, right? Like that yeah. should be <laughs> considered something. I think there is this sort of weird battle because he's not like a legend per se, but he is the most recent winner. So it's like, and he is that really visible winner. So it's like this weird, I don't know, like how do you treat Nick? Because he's not this, he doesn't have that legendary status, but he's still someone who should be so important. And yet he's mm-hmm. not. So yeah, not high hopes. I'm I'd almost kinda... think he'd get more like Adam content. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Like he's the Adam of the call. He is. And he's just ignored. So mm-hmm. that's real bad. Um, Very disappointing. Cause like, I think we had high hopes from the last yeah. from the premiere and it feels like he's definitely a background character for sure speaking of unexpected background characters <laughs> oh gosh sandra uh, diaz twine like did not speak in this episode no she just gave looks yeah like ominous look sandra is not exactly expected mm-hmm. also not a tribal yeah uh, see there's that i mean and heroes versus villains she didn't have a confessional from the episode after the premiere until like late in the pre-merge so but it's like it's sandra she's such a legend now <laughs> like that's the thing is sandra and heroes versus villains despite being a winner already completely different beast than now you know right. what i mean like she had a statue with her face made on it like mm-hmm. you can't really walk back from that yep yeah not a good look for her either she did get mentioned a lot so this isn't like the end of the world but the problem is the content she got was rob coming after her uh-huh i don't think sandra's gonna win that war yeah she didn't have like a solid defense of herself to be like i did that and now this is what i do from here that's very i think the interesting wrinkle there to sandra's story is we see sandra initially just against rob like that's her first confessional mm-hmm. all her content is about rob not good yep but additionally um rob in this episode even said like oh sandra could have given me the token like i love sandra we're like, we're mm-hmm. best friends. And then he flips. He's like, oh, wait a minute. She's she's against me. Mm-hmm. Rob has more like color and flavor and stuff out of his side of his perspective. Sanders immediately hated him and it's against him and voted his wife and everything. Mm-hmm. Rob has more nuance there. So which makes me think he's going to win. Yeah. The bad season. But yeah. yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Not great for Sandra. No. Um. Anything else? I don't think so. <laughs> Let's move to Sarah who I think is kind of an interesting character here. Mm-hmm. She didn't really get much until now. Right. But in episode one, she basically says, I'm the newest female winner. Um, so I'm going to lay low kind of thing. In this episode, we get to see her bond with Tony mm-hmm. and reestablish Cops Are Us. And I thought a very fun scene that's hyping up Tony. Mm-hmm. This is the first indication to me that Sarah will go kind of far. Yeah, I don't think she's in immediate danger i think sarah and tony feels like a an important bond mm-hmm. like in the same way you knew it was important in kagion like at least that far if not farther yeah and she even brings up kagion and the history of it like she gives a pretty long confessional mm-hmm. talking about like how she sees tony yeah and i thought it was very interesting yeah they've sort of fleshed out what their relationship is and now know how to proceed in, in a good an way. episode of necessary content right that's what it felt like it was Necessary content plus the ladder plus Sarah and Tony. Mm-hmm. Pretty much to me, that's a sign that they're a pretty important duo. Why this didn't come earlier, I'm not sure. Right. But I do think it's interesting that she said, um, paraphrasing, I knew to- people would really start to like Tony once they got used to him. Like that's what prompted this confessional. 
mm-hmm. was everybody at the latter scene starting to actually like him. Kind of interesting that it almost anchors it more than just immediately being with Tony. What do you mean? Like, I think it's an interesting, like if in episode one and she was just like, oh, blah, 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 Kagiya, and he voted me out, but this time we're friends. Mm-hmm. I think it actually has less impact than here, which effectively is episode two her being like i knew people would like tony if they just gave him a chance we've seen them now give him a chance and people do like him and we're in an alliance by the way but we're keeping it secret i think that's pretty good actually like for the right. bond i don't hate it not being in the first episode because they were waiting probably waiting for that last- oh true that's fair you are you kind of the two episode arc where yeah it's tony's annoying and he fixes it to people liking him for that mm-hmm. makes sense would you say you're higher on Sarah's winning chances now or? No, I'm higher on her going far. Yeah. Like, again, this could be Natalie Jeremy-esque, but not like Natalie wasn't super visible in episode one of Sam Waldo, sir. But I don't know. To me, Sarah is probably more important of a character than I would have pegged last week. Like, especially when we saw like preseason, everybody wanting her out first. Like, yeah, this say she's she must be doing pretty well that she, her name's just not out there. Mm-hmm. but um i don't know i don't think she's our winner i don't think she's out of the race though like a lot of people hmm. i'd have her above nick and sandra yeah i think i think that makes sense i i feel better about her after talking about sort of this narrative that's been built up but it still feels like she's second to tony in that yes. case that's the thing if anything her content's really good for tony mm-hmm. so that's something um anything else on sarah nope <laughs> next up we have the devil um <laughs> what did you think of the devil's content uh this being sophie in this episode it's just more than we've come to expect from sophie and it really it feels like what we said in the premiere where it's like this is the sophie they want to show us if she wins as opposed to where she is sort of second to all these big characters and wins it's it weirdly looks really similar but she feels so much more forefront in this that, season so what you mean yeah that's not specific. Um, it's just she's almost the main person on the call. Like when Yule has a scene, or no, well, in the first episode, Yule and Sophie were linked, but Kim's scene by necessity does link to Sophie, but she gets a good point out of it. She gets talking points during the latter scene, like all this great stuff. It just feels like she's on the same path she was before. I just want to agree with you completely by saying just one name tommy sheehan remember when he was uh totally on the bottom and not the main like he was totally hiding behind lauren but all the content was about how tommy was dominating the game and this to me is what sophie reminds me of where we're told she's hiding behind yule but in episode in episode one Mm -hmm. that makes sense yule gets the dominating content yeah, you can see it there. Episode two, Yule is like a background character, and Sophie's everywhere. Sophie gets the funny quips about Tony. Sophie gets the fun scene with Kim. Um, she's she doesn't look like the background person. You know right. what I mean? Like she got more content than Yule. That shouldn't happen if she's like hiding mm. behind him, right? Like, um, she got more fleshed out. We got to see she's playing more cutthroat this time. Sophie looks to me like herself in south pacific but with the added caliber of them not wanting a quote-unquote bad winner this time Mm -hmm. i think they really if sophie's our winner which spoiler alert she's by far my number one right for sure i don't think it's close they want the winner to be someone who's a good player for all winners Mm -hmm. 
like a bad winner would bury survivor in this season they're not going to do it and i'm holding bad winner up in quotation marks like they're not going to go for a controversial winner i don't think they're going to go for the winner definitely deserved it i think there's i think there's an argument to say that i think i have some arguments on other people that would say maybe these are poorly edited winners that are maybe going to happen but yeah i do think that's a perspective point yeah i guess that's my theory is what they'll do like yeah they want to establish an a new icon yeah i guess it's if sophie is winning they're not going to give her the same treatment it makes sense that they're not giving her the same treatment as south pacific mm-hmm. yeah. like, this is probably the most like cartoonish but still fleshed out so you could imagine mm-hmm where she's kind of a know-it-all and you get that vibe from her, but also she's super likable and fun. Cause mm-hmm. again, like we said, like anybody could have given those confessionals about Tony, right? Like, and it's her and Tyson. Right. And mostly Sophie, to be honest, like Tyson, you get Tyson's actually like ridiculously funny, right? Like that's his, his quirk. Like every season he's been very visible. He's been brought back multiple times, even when losing. Mm-hmm. So the first time I think she's ever even been in contention to come back. Yeah. She wasn't like top of their mind, like production favorite Sophie. I mean, honestly, it was probably because they had a pretty small pool of female winners to work with. Yeah. And she was no one of them. to Sophie, but... Yeah. If there was 10 more female winners, Sophie probably doesn't get the call. Yeah. Um, Like, as sad as it is, I'm, I'm happy she's here. She's awesome on this. Oh, yeah. Amazing. I wanted her here. But, like, yeah, me too. that's the reality of it, I think. Yeah, the thing is that this points to her being a real important character. Mm-hmm. And in a way that, because it's Sophie, we know she can be ignored. She mm-hmm. won the game and was kind of ignored. Mm-hmm. She still had content. She still had a story. But she wasn't the main character. She wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think and I think she's playing pretty well, too. I mean, right. I mean, like, Kim, I think, Kim says Sophie is really well connected. So I'll give this to her. And Sophie played it perfectly, right? She's like, yes, thank you. Let's work together. Yeah. You go, Kim. Woohoo. She looks so deceptively like, oh, I'm so excited. Like, let's go. Are you going to show me what I'm about? What I think you're going to show me? And like, it's so sneaky, but like, so good. Yeah. Like, to me, this made me be like, I already laughed gushing. Away. This one, I'm like, wow, she's good. Like, mm-hmm. me, Sophie's what everyone said Denise was. Or not Denise, Danny. You know what I mean? <laughs> Where it's like, actually, she played way better and it was probably way harder in South Pacific than she ever got credit for. Mm-hmm. and this is to me is kind of confirming that like she's brutal but i think it? she knows when to like hold her cards and let the brutality simmer for a bit for sure like don't forget she's one of the crucial people in flipping cochran over in south pacific mm-hmm. and like they were just using him as a lamb to the slaughter right like she she's always had this kind of brutal cutthroat instinct in her and they're highlighting it way more this time it's really good for her especially with yule slipping in content mm-hmm. it's no longer i think a race between them it's like to me clear that sophie beats out yule yeah it's like looking at this alliance sophie is the front runner from it mm-hmm. thousand percent agree yep she's awesome can't wait to see her play more mm-hmm. love to see her interact with the other tribe by far my winner pick right now yep but i don't think it's a runaway i think to me i'm a little bit more open about win than i think you are so well- I think I'm very wary for this to go sour quickly because it still feels feels early enough. And like, I guess the season feels wide enough that I could see Sophie turning. It's just that I would have less sort of an idea where to go than you. True. I get that. (laughs) To me, it just it's undeniable to me, the similarities between her and Tommy, Mm -hmm. where we're being told she's hiding, but is presented as the main character. Right. That to me at this point is like the 
winner indicator. Mm-hmm. The last, like, it's been a common trend, kind of. So mm-hmm. that's all I have for Sophie. Mm-hmm. Um, Queen Slay, uh, <laughs> worship the devil, all that stuff. <laughs> and we'll move here to somebody who, as Sophie became more villainous this episode, Tony became more. <laughs> Tony is, I think, I think my number two winner contender here in this season because his story is so plainly put out by that first confessional he had, not first confessional he had, but one of the confessionals he had in the first episode where he's pulling down his threat status, pulling down his threat status. We see his house arrest strategy work this week. Right. That to me is pretty crucial. Mm -hmm. Sort of. Yeah, I was I'm like having a like Tony Renaissance throughout this evening as we record because, yeah, I was not as high on Tony coming into this, but we talked a bit about it pre-recording and I sort of saw it that sort of idea that he had that confessional in the in the premiere about lowering his threat level and then it was sort of paired up here in this episode and then will be paired up again presumably it's sort of all adding together so i think that does look it makes a sort of sense for him to be the winner and i feel like we're still getting all of tony's antics and stuff without sort of the negativity you would suggest i mean it's just not there he's like Mm -hmm. a fun character as opposed to a sort of wild chaotic character and considering that's like the lesson he learned from game changers right he explains like i'm not gonna be that person time mm-hmm. but he still gets his fun antics he's still tony right he's just a positive version of tony mm-hmm. additionally that bond with sarah i think is killer yeah that's very good um in a season where honestly the duos are sophie yule tyson sarah tyson sarah uh, or sorry yeah, um tony sarah, sarah. tony <laughs> yeah sarah, sarah tony and adam denise Mm-hmm. kind of rob harvity there's only like four duos and one of them is adam and denise and spoiler alert for when we talk about them they don't look good um <laughs> there's literally like three positive duos in this season and tony's in one of them and he looks really freaking good in it he looks by far better than sarah well and i would say it's not fleshed out very much but in the premiere we did get a bit of sandra and tony sort of at least making amends starting True. on equal ground so there's that too so it's good to have all these feelers out yeah i think my biggest problem with tony is that it it very much feels like this is the space he could occupy just as a character like we're sort of seeing from tony i think what you would want to see maybe except for the sarah tony alliance scene but it just feels like space to be occupied by him mm-hmm. so i'm yeah i'm not certain yet i mean it's just i think my top two are so far ahead and then Amber feels really good, but like Tony, Tony's probably a good fourth. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing too, is I think our other person here is the same person, right? It's Tyson Mm -hmm. and Tyson and Sophie both get content in this episode. Their good content in this episode was about Tony. Mm -hmm. They're all three of them are really closely linked. Tyson was targeting Tony. Tony was targeting Tyson. Um, so if he gets the content about Tony, Tyson gets the content about Tony, like they're kind of this weird web despite being against each other in a way that's really interesting. Like I find it super weird that my top three are people on DeKal who are alphabetically beside each other. Yeah, I mean, they'll be beside each other for the whole. So buckle up because <laughs> mm-hmm. of the like, weird way the tribe stacked up. But I think they're going far i think all three of them are going far yeah to me tony just like i i think the latter thing gets shown no matter what Mm -hmm. but i don't think it gets shown as much 
I think that was a long scene. Hmm. There's a lot of confessionals about it, highlighting his character and stuff. I think we probably just get like Tony's insane. I think the the um book ending with it of it being strategy with him and Sarah mm-hmm. is really noteworthy. And I just because that gets cut if it's not important or put somewhere yeah. else or something. That's really the thing is I think every other scene is almost necessary to this episode it's just about figuring out like why sarah and tony is so important mm-hmm. and not for nothing i mean tony got the first confessional which is of the season which is not necessarily a spot where winners end up a lot but like long-term characters almost always mm-hmm. so that's something like and i mean it was kind of a blank confessional just about like survivor is the super bowl but he's clearly an important character i think i for sure Tony might be my pick of anybody, maybe Sophie, to last the longest in the game proper. Him or Sophie. So you're saying doesn't get voted out? Yeah, like, like... I say take out win equity. Like, because Tony the losing finalist or Tony, like, fifth place or whatever. Yeah. Is a possibility. But if we're taking just placement odds, mm-hmm. I think it'd be close between Sophie and Tony, but it's one that I would pick to more like I just can't couldn't see Sophie being like a losing finalist yet but mm. I could see Tony or something like that so to me Tony is placing above anybody else is my pick right now if that makes sense mm-hmm. I think he it feels a, like a long-term character I guess to me it feels a little more loose like I could see this all flipping and going a bit earlier than we'd expect because I mean it'll still be there on edge of extinction he could still come back but i do get that it does feel like tony has a big presence on this season and we'll see him all the way through the season yeah i guess i guess you could see him on edge of extinction as like the crazy guy on edge of extinction which it's it's sort of just about working out what is happening proper on decal in terms of strategy mm-hmm. i think that's what i really need to see is not just alliance building but sort of more of tony being like okay, what is my plan? Especially when you have this like really strong seeming middle alliance that seems to have it all together. Like there definitely needs to be, and I would say this is true of Tyson as well, but like motivation from their sort of faction. So not gonna lie, my impression here is that DeKal doesn't lose. Like I'm guessing Sally just gets decimated. Mm. Maybe not decimated would indicate that they're all gone, but um, I I think they lose a lot. Yeah, yeah, I would say... DeCollins more than Sele. Which is like, yeah. They're more evenly matched than it seems, but yeah. I don't know about that. Like, honestly, every challenge we've seen, even the one that DeCall lost, was a blowout. It was just Wendell, Mm -hmm. or, um, yeah, Wendell sucked at the ring toss. Yeah. They were so far behind, and Jeremy just kind of fluke won that one. Like, it was still a DeCall dominated the challenge thing mm-hmm. so i don't know i think they're not very evenly matched and i think that that bodes well pretty well for tony sure next up we'll move to tyson who is my number three winner contender i don't think Easy. it's a coincidence at all that he got the fun content about tyson uh tony being the ladder claws and stuff he's a very funny guy he's gonna get something like that mm. but he looks super good um yeah i think this is a really stellar episode when you're not going to tribal council like we talked about how maybe that's what's happening with Nick. Maybe, maybe. But I think Tyson is a much more better example of that, where he had this great content in the premiere, and now he doesn't go to Tribal, but you know he's still there. And his story doesn't doesn't change, right? Like, he's still on the same path as he was last week. He doesn't really need mm-hmm. a revolutionary episode here. He just needs... Right. So when you watch it, you're like, oh yeah, I still like Tyson. Mm-hmm. He's a funny guy. Yeah. And it, this is your person who 
could go to edge of extinction, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. To me, I almost think Tyson can't win the game. It would be interesting to see how he sort of maneuvers through DeCall. I mean, even if they're not losing a bunch, he's still pretty low there, I think. Mm-hmm. So and they reminded us of that this week, right? When Sophie's like, Kim should have told Tyson. Right. Who's also on the bottom is the implication there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, I don't know, Tyson, I'm like waiting for him to get voted out kind of thing to see what he looks like. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it's late. Like he could last a long time in the game proper, but to me, his winning story is so sentimental. He doesn't really got good game content. He's got, he loves his family. Uh, he's a great provider. He made the fire on his own. It's all like Chris Underwood stuff where mm-hmm. he's very personally sentimental and good and happy, but he, he we haven't really got any game content. Other than the idea of him believing that sometimes it's worth it to forfeit the battle to win the war. Right. What a way to summarize or uh, metaphor um, sort of encapsulate the idea of Edge of Extinction. Mm-hmm. You lose the survivor game to still win a million dollars, two million dollars at the end of the day. Right. Yeah, it makes makes a lot of sense. But I do think there's also still this is OK content if he's just winning it through um, the game proper. Uh, especially if sort of to call when they do go to tribal council next sort of flips that middle group flips the other way and they get rid of one of Sandra, Sarah, Tony, Sandra. Mm, I think that's, I a, think. that's a case for Tony to go. <gasps> I think you end up with um, Tony's oh. insane. Sarah is like, are they even together? I never see them together. She probably hates him from Kageyan. I guess we'll just mm-hmm. vote Sandra. Okay. She does like have I the said, idol, though. But yeah, a know. possibility. But yeah, I see both paths, I guess, and that's why he's number two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. I guess I was a little over hyping him being an edge of extinction person. There's a possibility he does just kind of run the table. Just doesn't seem super likely to me. I guess. Like I would put more stock in him being an edge of extinction winner than a regular winner. Mm-hmm. As weird as that is, especially with being like a professional athlete. Yeah, does not hurt things at all. Um, I don't really have anything else to say about Tyson. Nope. Cool. Uh, <laughs> move to Wendell. So, yeah, last episode, you were like so close to convincing me that Wendell was like really someone to consider. But now you don't feel as strongly. Um, I'm never doubting you again, Joe. Um, really? OK. <laughs> I think I'm still like hanging on to some chance of Wendell winning. Hmm. Wait, I want you to make your pitch because I might come back. Like this episode wasn't strong by any means. I mean, we knew he was there. He got some content, too. But he, like, there's. I feel like there should have been mention of the four. Like, he really needed that to really stay up there for me. And there wasn't that. But I think, like Tyson, this was an okay episode if they're not going to Tribal Council. I just need more in the future. Like, definitely. Okay, you know what? You you won me back over (laughs) barely considering him. Mostly out of, he's boring. Like, kind of what we talked about last week where of confessionalists i'd rather hear from just about anyone on the season than well mm-hmm. even in ghost island i i believe i need to double check this but i believe he is the least visible male winner of all time other than bob i think that is true and for somebody that we were like people when they when we reflect back on at uh ghost island when people talk about it it's like dom and wendell dom and wendell he had right. like no content in that season mm-hmm People just talked about Dom and Wendell a lot. Yeah, lots of like invisible episodes. 
Yes. Like, they weren't afraid to just, like, let us forget about Wendell. Which I think, in Ghost Island, for all its problems it had, had a lot of, like, turbulent characters and other things going on, so that was okay. As long as you knew Dom Wendell was a thing that was having power, that was fine. And that was their little cheat code, right? Is And that's kind of why we clued into Wendell really early, is at the swap, at the premiere, at the merge, Wendell was just all of a sudden the main character, and then the rest of the episodes, he kind of vanished. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got like huge personal moments, personal spikes. Last week, he got, it's kind of a similar principle, right? He right did get a very good premiere. He we know his story. You know, he's a builder. He's trying to hide it, get some like resi- residual positivity. I think from Tony making mm-hmm. his ladder and everything. Yeah, I mean that's but, the thing, right? Is it's like Wendell had that really stellar premiere, and I don't think he had a bad one this time. I mean, I know I wasn't very high on him at first, but. I can't deny he was more important than I feel like he should have been to this first episode. So considering that, and then maybe these less visible episodes further on, mm, still possible. Yeah, Edge of Extinction is going to be a real crutch for specifically Wendell and other like kind of boring winners, right? Like Mm -hmm. um, with so much stuff being only mandatory content, like they'll probably cut Wendell more than most other people. Even if he were to win, they'll give him less than average. Right. I think that's something he wasn't my prime example. But when I said maybe they don't need to show a winner to the very, very best, like a Sophie, like Wendell's Mm -hmm. a good example of that, potentially. Very true. And especially when like, not for nothing, Tony and Yule are pretty dang good characters to be associated with thematically. Mm -hmm. They're the build and Rob, like they're the builders. It's three awesome people in Wendell. Mm -hmm. So that's something. I think he's a possibility. I don't think he would be the Edge of Extinction. Like, that to me seems like a bad winner's not going to come from Edge of Extinction, I don't think. They don't want the super sour win. They'd go the sentimental route, I think. Hmm. I think the hmm, I think the problem with that is, does Wendell's sort of sentimentality start at Edge of Extinction? True, 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 true. Kind of Chris Underwoody in that. We really get to see what he is and then. But yeah, I think it's more likely Wendell stays in. Then goes to Edge of Extinction. And when you think about it, as sad as it is, Adam got the super fan content on Sele and Wendell got it on the call. Ben said that he needs Adam to maneuver the game in both episodes. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he's a super fan. Wendell got that content here. So you could see other people see Wendell as a necessary cog to maneuver the game. Hmm. I think that's something you've convinced me that Wendell's on the list. He just needs more, like, more of a focus on that four. Like, agreed. So I think that's important to him. Yeah, like, if next week the four is rebrought up, or even if he's really good at the swap, I think I have to consider him pretty high. Right. He's going to be a thorn in our side. Um, because mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think I think he might be aside from Sophie, like the person who's has a lot of longevity. Oof. <laughs> like, it's hard to like. Why would you vote Wendell out? Like. <laughs> good point like he was loyal to his alliance and still won yeah yep so that's something side note how much more fun would it have been if dom was here that'd be crazy but that's the ultimate argument yeah dom and tony like come on ultimate argument for no bitter jury you you want to talk about bitter jury what if we had laurel here that'd be amazing hot take i'd take laurel over wendell (laughs) oh she ended up more visible than wendell by the end of the season that's true. By a lot, too. Uh, I miss Laurel. I'll be a Laurel stand till the day I die. 
Imagine being a less cap- uh, a competent character than uh, when uh, than Laurel. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us, I guess, to Yule. Uh, that's enough yep. of dumping on Wendell. It was fun, you know? Um, yeah. Barely stays in contention for me. Like, real um, nosedive. But he it's a nosedive that hits like a trampoline and like barely bounces to staying as someone I consider. He, he got like a character scene. That's it. Right. It just, I think I have that edit every season. It just doesn't feel right. It feels like there are gaps. I think we sort of saw this in the premiere where he was obviously a main character, but like didn't feel like a winning character even at that point. And still here, he feels important. They want to make sure we remember him. But like, it's not winner E, you know? Yeah. So like, like he's he's Michael from Ghost Island. I mean, that's the main like analog I have. It doesn't feel as strong as that. But yeah, it just feels we're getting big points of Yule, but we're not getting like winnery points of Yule. I know it almost it feels like a gut read at this point, but that's how I feel. <laughs> he's maybe even the Dominic, right? Like he's the strategy. The problem is he's the nerd shield. He's the nerd mm-hmm. shield. Um, that's what he is. That's his story. I think, I think he's super important to the season. I think he's really important to the story. I think he's Mm -hmm. probably our protagonist. And I'm sure in like four weeks, we're going to be like, oh my God, Yule's winning. Look at this amazing movie. Just pull off or whatever. For sure. But you're right. He, this content doesn't necessarily support the winner. Mm -hmm. It's almost there. It almost looks like the masquerading of the winner. You know what I mean? The, um, I'm trying to think a good example would be but this is kind of what the decoy actually looks like when we talk about decoys mm-hmm. it feels kind of lauren becky if she started <laughs> earlier like i honestly see more dom like it's yeah he, he has a lot of content he's clearly an important player he's a good strategist wait does he have a personal life like i mean we got a little bit of that so i'm like so i'm like eh. but yeah it feels it's it's so hard to put into words but it just it's not coalescing into like winner content the same way sophie tony or tyson are there's like exactly. this consistent story with them like sophie not so much but you're getting all these moments that really build who she is tyson's the same way you will i got moments of but they felt way less connected than those three and i feel that's weird because i can see how they all stem from the same person but they don't feel like a story yeah that's kind of true and in a weird way yule bounced off everybody a lot right like sophie has the very obvious connection with him tony made fun of him at the top of the ladder right like Mm -hmm. that's something like long-term probably character tony is calling out yule Mm -hmm. and somehow i'm taking the crazy man on the ladder side like that's the that's the disconnect like to me, that scene should be, oh, Yule is sturdy but good. Tony's crazy and is liable to get, fall off the ladder and die. Mm-hmm. In the game and in their uh, breadfruit finding scene. But it's not what I'm getting. I'm getting Tony wins. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the way everything's been shown. And to me, I guess Yule, you're right, weirdly doesn't have a story. It's just, we, we're sh- shown he's very good at things. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's little interaction with anyone outside of the four. Like, I guess he was pulled in with Sarah and Sandra when they had their scene, right? Mm-hmm. I guess there's that. I don't know. And Kim, like, that's the thing is, I would say that Yule's probably playing the best game. The best game doesn't necessarily win. Yeah. I think that's the disconnect is they're giving him credit for all the things he's doing and all the people he's talking to and the alliance he made. But Sophie's edit inherently undermines him. Right? Like, mm-hmm. he's the shield. 
Yeah. And like what do shields do? They get they block bullets for the person behind them. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what is going to happen to Yule. He's going to die for Sophie. The additional wrinkle here. The additional question is just be so in this season you can be hiding behind um like a shield get be the shield that dies and then come back and still win yeah that's true right that could be yule yeah uh, he's like at the top of like people i'm not really con- i would say like i, I get too. that i get that where it's like in four episodes i'll be like uh eh, this could be yule's path to the win but yep I don't know, sort of thinking about um, Dominic and Wendell and then Tommy and Lauren and now what could be Sophia and Yule. It feels like Survivor thinks they sort of have this like pattern that works of like a big character with a little character and it looks like the big character is winning. But like obviously anyone who's reading the edit can sort of see past it. So mm. I'm curious to see if that will manifest again. And that'll be sort of an interesting thing going forward is this idea of even Nick and Christian. Yeah, there's that too. Right. Um, I think that's absolutely something. So yeah, to me, Yule is like the top of the bows. Like he's. Um... And maybe, maybe that's just why I'm more skeptical on the bigger visibility characters in the season. Like you had to convince me on Tony. We'll get to Ben. Um, People like that aren't just like reading correctly for me. And I think I, from what I've seen in recent seasons, that's just how it's reading. Interesting. So that's the Decal tribe. I do think, interestingly, despite being kind of low visibility in this episode, kind of cement their status is more than likely the complex tribe. For sure. I mean, all my contenders are from this tribe. So I'm less harsh there because I think there's a chance it turns this episode was a little bit more generous to sele they also went to tribal but mm-hmm. in the pre-immunity stuff they actually it was pretty balanced so yeah we'll see um but we'll start here with adam klein joe what did you make of adam klein because i have a really hot take i really and and i want to hear your thoughts before i rail um so he had that really bad first episode i had him at the bottom of my list but then he looked like okay ish in this episode i felt like he wasn't a target by any means in the same way he was in that first tribal council. And like, we're getting constant content from him. It's not unlike Adam to be a little consistent, inconsistent tonally, but like he's scraping the bottom of like, he's up there with Yule, but in a very different way, I guess. I think Adam is the very bottom of my list. (laughs) Like, Give me almost anybody over Adam. Hmm. You're right. He's one of he's one of our main characters, right? But he's so obviously the villain, <laughs> and like his content was straight mustache twirly. Like like he comes off childish. I also think there's a one scene in particular that just I think buries him completely, and that is Denise and Ben find the idol together. Ben is like, you know what? Don't give me the idol. Cut to Denise saying. Oh my god, I was scared that Ben was going to beg for the idol. I appreciate him so much more and trust him more because he didn't want the idol. Immediately jump cut to Adam and Denise talking and villainous music like shakes the room. Like it is it is like a funeral song going on in the background as Adam's like Denise, you have to give me the idol. Don't ever consider giving it to anyone else. Ben is the worst. Um, and then she's like, what if we gave it to Parvati? And he's like, no, that's a bad idea. As the vibra slap, like the, the um, <laughs> the you know, dang, like, yeah. Like when yeah, you're, uh, when you have like a thingy up by your door, 
that you hit so it doesn't hit the door. Sort of like that. Do you know what yeah, I'm talking about? The okay. doing sound yeah. <laughs> that is synonymous in Survivor with someone just did something really stupid plays as he says that. Like, to me, the most, like, the music was, like, taking a dump on Adam. Like, made him look so bad. He was hmm. pretty much just saying, don't give an idol to poverty, which probably a good move. I think Adam's probably See, playing very well. That's the thing. I feel like it's happened in previous seasons, too, that we've covered, where I've had this weird, like, blindness to the music. I never, like, can recognize when it's bad. And so, yeah, I sort of read that scene as, like, oh, yeah, Adam is obviously telling Denise the right thing to do, which is, like, don't give half of this idol to Parvati. Like, that's a bad move. And, like, I'm kind of shocked that there was this bad music in the background, because I don't remember. But if you if you say it's there, I believe, and I'll I'll check on it. <laughs> his scene was also like his confessional was like and like super ominous like he was like yelling at denise like i luckily i was able to convince her to give me the idol after she just told us it's something she didn't like you know what i mean like we just heard she really appreciated that ben didn't ask for it and then we get bet adam being like no don't tell ben i hate that you told ben don't tell poverty i hate that you told poverty how dare you give it to me Okay, I sort of read that as, like, she was thankful that Ben specifically didn't ask for it, so she could give it to Adam, theoretically. Mm. See, I think what we saw is that's, I think you're right. I think it was edited to make Adam look bad, and then we just didn't actually have content of Denise burying Adam. Okay. Like, Mm. I think the scene was meant to show us Ben good, Adam bad, Adam distrust Ben. But, with the caveat of, I don't think Denise had a confessional being annoyed with Adam, but I think we're meant to take that from the scene. Mm -hmm. It's just a weird way to show it where it's immediate, like, and it's Adam super anti-Ben, but we don't get Denise saying anything against Ben. Uh, We actually get her being speaking highly of Ben. I don't think that part gets shown. Like, I think it's so much easier to edit the scene of Ben and Denise agree to find it. Ben says, let's give it to someone else. And then Denise doesn't say that she's glad that he didn't want it yeah i mean like i said adam's still very low like he was last he's not gonna shoot to first for me after discussing it here like i don't feel great about adam at all he still is keeping up his like edgy teenager role too of swearing a lot and like like moving his eyebrows weirdly first in our hearts for edginess on this season oh yeah no he's got like a sick tumblr count with like (laughs) Like Papa Roach lyrics, like <laughs> hmm. couldn't put his torch in the hole. That's the other reason they never show that if he would. You don't think so? It's like a fun I, scene. I I like, think it looked a whole lot more pathetic than like <laughs> it did, like when Ben helped him, and by helping, what he did was he took the torch and literally like moved like six feet away to where the hole actually was, and then put it there. Yes. I don't know. Maybe it's things will be hard, but you belong. <laughs> I don't know. To me, the undeniable uh, feeling of that scene was wimpy, right? Like, (laughs) he just did look very like, uh, I can't. Yeah, like, secondhand cringe is not the win. Um, (laughs) Sure, sometimes stuff like that will happen. Winners will get shown fee or whatever. But that was the next level of, like, Ben literally had to go pick up his torch and, like, bring it across the room. Like, right. Like, I felt bad for Adam. Like, he's cool. I actually think he's playing very well. Mm hmm. He's just totally not winning this season because they've done, gone out. Because you know they have all this footage, right? They have a- hundreds of hours of footage. Mm-hmm. And they're deciding to make Adam the villain and, like, manipulate it into him being the villain. I just don't think they have... They, it's a necessary thing. I don't think he's playing that villainous. Right. It's just... 
he gets bad music playing and they show him swearing a lot and unable to put the torch in the thing like yeah like once again rated pg for crude language and i was like all adam (laughs) Mm -hmm. i don't think anyone else swore like adam really is out here preventing it from getting like tvg tv7 like seriously like adam like and it's that means it's a conscious choice because they could just not show it right yeah um he's been a fun character though like oh yeah like, way better I, than i think we could have ever expected oh yeah like hammy villain adam is hilarious mm-hmm. and it's like he has like this like drawl to him that's just like kind of condescending is like well, i think some of the like sort of sinister feel you got from him was he wasn't like his usual like shouty self in his confessionals this episode which like i don't mind that but like it was definitely a change like he was quiet and like like thinking about it and it was it was odd it was weird like <laughs> is he playing the villain like is he trying like <laughs> i wouldn't be again like shocked if he was but um you're right because before he was like shouting his confessional like mm-hmm. in my first Jax, that's what he did right like yeah because he had very excited energy like yeah. in a, like a positive excitement this one he's very like like on edge not edgy but like on edge the entire time mm-hmm. and then him like i would be so suspicious of him he speaks out at tribal against emptying his bag and something like <laughs> this is survivor let people play like i don't know great character though like i'm actually very glad he's on the season um mm-hmm. would not have expected adam to be the one consistently negative person <laughs> i don't know but yeah i think adam's a, a case on how music and editing can take good gameplay and make you look like a a dweeb mm-hmm. i'll have to go back and listen because like literally because like i think there's talk of like kim and her first episode having dodo music and like i did pay attention to that and like it's it like not as bad as i think what you're Adam saying got viper is. slapped like four times <laughs> like uh. and there, it wasn't much in this episode like the viper slap i think only showed up Adam. survivor loves their uh like weird door hinge thing love a virus lap i actually had to before this podcast i had to um ask one of my old uh <laughs> uh band people i'm like what was that instrument called that they're clearly using oh yeah how do you google that like the one because yeah. like i i can i remember seeing it in like band class so mm. like i could probably like picture it but still trying to describe what it looks like it's like this weird like ball on the end of like a wire and then it like it's like a slinky <laughs> with a ball at the end uh, another bar uh showed it to viber slaps yeah more viber slap viber slap is the final three with crab and snake it's, yeah that's the ultimate <laughs> viber slap it's actually triple th- um mm-hmm. crab versus snake versus viper slap which brings us to ben who helped adam put his torch in the hole <laughs> um in am i crazy joe or does ben look really spectacular in this season no see i think i came out of this episode on adam and like super negative on ben like i did not think ben looked good here like uh his goofiness which was like caught like rob knows he's being goofy he has this weird tirade at tribal or pretty much everyone is against him and there's like this whispering is like oh are they voting ben out um really didn't look good like i feel like his negativity far outweighed any positivity he had with ben like his scene with denise so yeah i'm pretty low on ben i think i have him in the same tier as Al. so like that's where i'm at so the weird thing for me is 
Ben belongs in the world of kind of what you pitched Kim winning looking like, as in righting the wrongs, um, learning from his mistakes, starting at the bottom and growing. He almost has like the growth of a good player edit going on, where hmm. in this uh, last week, he gets tricked by Rob, Mel vomits, but then is like, oh, I need to target the returning or the old school players. He's self-aware of the fact that he messed up. Other people don't get that, right? Like, I think he alone gets the, oh, no, I made a mistake. Look, in this episode, he, if you really just look at who got the vote going, it was Ben. Ben coalesced all the sides to be like, well, we need Robin Parv. What if we just take out Danny? I mean, I would mm-hmm. argue that Danny maybe was the orchestrator of her vote out but um ben was second right additionally he did say that he didn't really care which old player went his mission was just to make sure an old player left Hmm. got to see his perspective from kind of all different sides and him kind of grow a little bit we got to him remind us he wants adam to maneuver he did the denise thing he got some character there we learned what he learned from his previous season ben has a story at the very core of self-awareness that no one else really has i think that is fair. I think Ben is very self-aware of the mistakes he is making. I think the problem is that he's not learning from his mistakes, per se. He's just acknowledging them and then making more mistakes. Like, he just keeps yeah. sort of faltering. That's and- why he's... If he didn't have that, he'd be my number one, to be honest. But you're right. He makes a mistake, learns from it, and makes another one right after. Weird edit. Yeah, and it's just... I don't know, that... Like I said, big character doesn't add up to a winner contender right now for me. Just, yeah, this these points of negativity almost where he's making these mistakes. It's not always presented as the best thing. He seems very focused on getting old school players out in a season that is sort of at least telling us to this point. Maybe it's not old school versus new school. There's like this middle ground. He feels very much like a pillar of new school which I think is almost worse than being a pillar of old school. Yeah, that's probably a fair point. I guess to me, the saving grace here is his negativity comes from Rob, who, like, Rob, Ben have been kind of subtly put against each other this whole time with Mm -hmm. Rob brain, like, Jedi mind tricking Ben. And then here, Rob being the one aware that Ben is, has more going on than he's letting on. You know what I mean? That's, That's what Rob's scared about with Ben is, he says, Ben's pulling off this goofy thing with everybody else, but I know he's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Sure, that makes Ben look a little bad, but it makes Ben makes you know that Ben has more going on than just being a dummy. And Rob's been shown this whole season to have like a superhuman ability to read people. That's fair. And I will say the edit is very much backing up that like Ben is not just this goofy character, even if he is making mistakes left and right. There are scenes like his with Denise where he is doing interesting things. I think he's talking to, you see him in interesting strategy scenes, like with Michelle or stuff. And Mm -hmm. yeah, there is something there. But I feel like once again, almost with Tony to a lesser extent, he's a big character, but not necessarily reading as winner for me. If Ben was on the other tribe and got all the same content, I'd put him as number one, I think. Like, I don't know. I think, like we said, all my contenders are on DeCall. Sele, even in this episode, just does hasn't done anything to make me think they're on the same caliber as DeCall in terms of Yeah, that's of kind of the was. problem. Like, because like I think there's more people we'll get to where it's like, yeah, like their edit would be almost okay, except they're on this tribe and it doesn't match up to what agreed. the season is giving. Agreed. So that's Ben. 
I think counting him out is a mistake, but the signs are the red flags are there, and so I can't put him super high, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Denise, He's, oh, you well, go. Ben is super like low for me, but like it feels very like he'll be stuck in that place for a while because like I don't know what Ben. I don't think he can go lower per se. I think he can start showing me things that would make me have him go up in my estimations. Mm-hmm. I do want to say, like, I'm kind of, a, I think this is a hot take because I feel like he, he's been kind of buried by people online. I think he's showing why he won. Like, he is, like, he makes mistakes, but he is intensely charismatic. He is, like, he makes mistakes, but he builds on them and does things with them. He doesn't just give up or dig his heels or anything. He, he's the one who mm-hmm. linked it to Adam and Denise. He is the one who kind of buried Danny. Like, he's he done feels, a lot. It's, this like chaos sort of feels like Kagi on Tony in a way. Yes. It's like, it's very messy, but you get where threads are coming from. And no, I absolutely. Yeah. No, actually, that's a brilliant point where in Kagi on Tony goes up to Sarah and is like, I'm a construction worker. And she's like, no, you're a cop. And he's like, no, I'm a construction <laughs> worker. Then her confessional is, I think he's a cop. I don't know why he's lying, but I trust him anyway. And his is, I'm a, <laughs> like, like it, it's this weird justification where he makes a mistake, he weirdly justifies it, learns from it, and then mm-hmm. makes another mistake right after. Like, Ben kind of has that too, where Boston Rob is his Sarah, where Sarah sees through him, Boston Rob sees through him, but everyone else buys it. Right. So I don't know, like, he has that, like, Tony chaos upside that, I don't know, I think... I think people are a little bit too harsh on him right now because the best, like the best player, doesn't necessarily make all the right choices and play the best in every moment. Clearly, has bad instincts, but he's able to realize what he makes he does wrong. Mm-hmm. That brings mm-hmm. us to Denise had an okay episode, has about like an okay edit, and that's like weirdly like not good enough. Like she, okay, so the there's like this tier of like Adam Ben and then where it's like, eh, like Denise just it feels like there are things missing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. like it could be more complete like we could get more of denise's story if she were winning she feels yeah. like, a good, like a good character like i like her like she's in a like right spot for what sort of spot she occupies but it's not winnery it's like i said this like a yule ish but like it's different like it's winner like but not winnery <laughs> like yeah it's winner adjacent Mm-hmm. she might be an important character she'd probably be my top pick to be like a losing finalist to be honest yeah partly demographic partly she's probably relatively long term i'd say so i don't think she doesn't seem in any immediate danger um she's mostly seemed to make the right choices yeah she seems very competent like they're mm-hmm. presenting her as a very competent player it's just not it's almost the saying though they're saying that and then not saying this is something to watch out for on top of yeah, and like, I feel like Adam got all the negativity of their duo. In this episode, bit. for sure. Yeah, she got a little bit, but not. Yeah. And she also got to explain them, like, uh, um, Matt saying curse. She got to. Yeah. Stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. So Denise probably goes kind of far. The only thing, though, is I do think this tribal. So her being pre-merge, like pre-swap, wouldn't, like, I wouldn't be stunned if she left next. And it's like because of the idol or something. I think she has like a ton of volatility in where she goes. Agreed. Like Agreed. all over the place. Because she doesn't actually have a story right now. Mm-hmm. She has a relationship with Adam and a relationship with Ben and a weird one with Parvati. <laughs> yeah. That I mean, bizarre scene. Yeah. But she doesn't really have a story. Like, I do think if she won 
in this episode, she'd mentioned that this is the first time she's not been, or like before the immunity challenge, that she'd never been safe from a tribal before. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did see a little glimmer of her having to give back the idol, and she was like, do I have to? And mm-hmm. all that, but it's just, it's, true. It's, it's not, it seems like that, where it's like, it's an acknowledgement, but it's not right. It's an acknowledgement, not a commitment. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Yeah. Which brings us to Ethan, who last week we were both like, wow, this is a good edit. He has a lot of longevity. Could be the growth edit. I have sold all my stock in Ethan. I don't think he has Oopsie, a chance. He tumbled. Yeah. Like, honestly, right now, he's about the same as Yule for me. Like, mm-hmm. they have, like, about the same level of content, and I could, like, see it, I guess. But it's not. Ethan really doesn't, given his place in this episode doesn't add up to a winner like i think this could have been a great opportunity to show whatever role he was in in this vote and he was there but he wasn't like all the way there you know what it could have been it could have been a highlight between where danny stumbles as an old player ethan like succeeds right and it wasn't like and but that's what happened like the old schoolers got exposed by bad Danny. Ethan was there when it happened and he just kind of like sulked. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I really, really like Ethan. I, I, I think he's playing pretty well. Right. His he comment just... about how Rob sucked today. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Knows the memes. Didn't get much, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. I was scared. Cause like up until tribal discussion, he didn't have anything, and I was like, my prediction about the Kelly Wigglesworth of it all was kind of there, but no, I think he's a little bit more visible than it's not. He's not the winner, ooh, right? Like he's he'll pop up for personal stuff and then vanish everywhere else. Yeah, I think that's a good read. Maybe he emerges as like a uh, Belky and Game Changers, where a little bit more low visibility early on, but is an important player that gets a lot of confessionals later on, and he's just they're sidelining him a little bit. But this mm-hmm. is an episode where you could have highlighted and showed where he is in the game, and they just didn't. Right. Yeah, Not he fantastic. almost he needs more than just the old school alliance, mm-hmm. which I think he has, but it's not being shown. Right. Like that's the thing is he's clearly close to Ben, mm-hmm. and we just don't see it at all. He's not like people are like even Ben is like listing off we need poverty and we need Jeremy or not your um Rob, and there's no mention of Ethan. <laughs> Right. I feel like there's so much footage on the cutting room floor that you could have introduced is important. It just didn't. His story is still, unfortunately, all personal. Mm-hmm. I don't really have much else to say on Ethan. I'm sad. I hope episode three, he has more. I think it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Good character. I'll enjoy whatever's there, I guess. I agree. I'll probably be left wanting more. Which brings us to jeremy who i think actually had an amazing episode this brought him back into contention for me um i was already a little higher on him than you were last week i don't think jeremy with the things that have happened to him so far looks that different from right now if he wins hmm i just i don't think he's an in the forefront enough like i feel like the things that have happened so far have impacted him a lot and he should be more of a decision maker I guess there is that scene between him and Michelle and he gets the confessional, but I feel more like Michelle. Michelle had like a weird star power in that scene. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know. It just feels like he's lower. Like he didn't get anything about, uh, well, maybe using his advantage because he was on the bottom or like knowing not to use it. I don't know. I think that's fine because the vote was so clearly between people. Right. And who knows if he, who knows if he said it. So Exactly. And 
Additionally, we did see the emergence of kind of a, not an emergence, really. I think the best thing about Jeremy is that in episode one and two, we see him talking to Michelle, right? Like, mm-hmm. I guess it was more Ben in episode one. But like, Ben, Michelle, Jeremy, you can kind of see as a, a, a group. Yeah. In this episode, he says he wants to be the one calling the shots. Right now, he isn't. He needs to decide if this is the right time to make a move or not. That's building the case for Jeremy, right? It's in my understanding anyway. This is maybe over speculation, I guess, is that Danny was always the vote and there's never actually any waves against it. And most of the, like, I almost would not be surprised if they threw the challenge to get rid of Danny. Kind of how I read into things that maybe all this stuff just happened before the challenge. Hmm. And then after the challenge, that's where Jeremy started being like, do I make the move or not? And it was like, oh, no, we're, we'll not. Because the scene with Michelle, he, they were like, do we make the move now or do we uh, like, do we go with the group or do we? upset the apple cart and tip the scales we have the power to do it do we do it now and michelle just said i agree but it was clearly cut later so she was clearly saying i agree to let's just vote out danny thought that was pretty obvious mm-hmm. but it was sh- like there i think to show that they have game acumen i think jeremy michelle ben is probably pretty important to like mm-hmm. they do show little scenes of it i don't know i think <laughs> i mean it's pretty obvious um but i think these little scenes are more likely to lead to Someone else in this group's win if they do win rather than Ben or Jeremy. Uh, I get. I guess it's mm, interesting. Um, I guess it's a possibility. Like they are keeping. Let's just move here to Michelle. Michelle. I, I guess I do want to touch on quickly that Jeremy does have the Natalie thing. Um, right. If this is a story of how Edge of Extinction makes the most popular person in the game win, maybe it is Jeremy. But mm-hmm. yeah, let's move here to Michelle who you're right, has been held low visibility, but the content, when she speaks, it matters. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. almost the Tina Weston thing, like the dog that doesn't bark. And it's like, it's Michelle Fitzgerald. Can you really not see this, how she starts her winter edit? Like, it makes a sort of sense. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy to say about someone who had no confessionals in an episode in which they went to tribal council. But like, I feel it. Like, like I said, she feels very important in that scene where they're discussing the potential boot of Parvati over Danny. And I mean, there's one school of thought, I guess, which would be, well, the only decoy boot discussion involved them. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're there. I guess that makes sense. The other school of thought is the editors thought it was really important to let us know what check in with Michelle. Right. And we've had these weird check ins with Michelle. Where we've seen mm. her in the second half of the premiere being like, oh no, I need to prove myself, but I'm on the bottom. And she reinforced that here this episode. And clearly she's not on the bottom anymore. And so. And as weird I, as it is, she honestly could be the Natalie to Jeremy's Jeremy. <laughs> like, not out of the realm of possibility at all. She actually looks similar in content to Natalie Anderson in Samuel Del Sur. That said, she's on the wrong tribe still um that's a big problem i mean i talked about how if a bad winner comes out of this there's someone it's michelle like this is not great like this is more of the same for michelle i feel even worse yeah our theory preseason of this being michelle's like comeback to her where she's gonna be like gunslinging badass is not happening (laughs) yeah her her voice is so like you know like gentle like it hits me off guard every time like Mm -hmm. I'm like, how did this person ever win a season? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if anything, to me, Michelle actually reads like somebody who could win and it be the exact same, where they almost like are burying it. It's like, oh, she's mm-hmm. the next two-time winner. Oh my Sorry. gosh. 
I'm mad. Like that would be insane. <laughs> I don't think it's super likely. I would put Michelle or sorry, I put Jeremy, Ben, and two other people actually that we haven't talked about. I've I put Rob and Parvati above. But I, mm-hmm. I she's not quite in the tier of Adam, Ethan, Nick, Sandra, etc. Right. She's significantly above them and in a way where it's like she's my dark horse pick. Yeah. Uh Michelle is my top one from Sele, like easily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> above Parv? Oh, I'm very low on the next two. Um, but yeah, it's very much because it's almost like Sele works for her in that, yeah, they're not gonna focus on it if it's not really Michelle's story and you have all these interesting things going on to call. Hmm. Yeah. I guess that's possible. Like you're right. Like I guess if somebody's gonna win from Sele, it probably would be a little quieter. Mm-hmm. And like she just like quietly ropes into the four person alliance or whatever. But she need a huge swap episode. Hmm. I don't know. It's like when does Michelle need to I I hope I mean, it needs to be something like this, at least. Like, I think if she's completely silent when they go to tribal council, or if she's not at all involved in those discussions of whether now is the right time to get out, like, that's where I get more skeptical and just think they weren't treating Michelle very nicely at all. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. It could be a burial, too. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they did it to Aubrey in Game Changers, and they liked her. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised, but you're right. I think it would be silly to discount her completely. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to Parvati. And you said that she knows die for you. So how come? Because I guess to me, I don't see the difference really between this week and last week. She feels like she wasn't a main player in sort of the strategic wheel of the episode. I'd say, and it's Parvati. So like you would think she needs to be at the forefront, but she's very quiet. I mean, beginning of the episode, there wasn't a lot of time for lots of people. But, like, in that latter half, she was obviously there, but she didn't have, like, power or anything. And it just feels like they're not handling her properly for someone who was the decoy boot as well. See, that's the la- that last part's why I don't understand. Because she was the decoy boot. Like, sure, they care about the long-term stories and all that kind of stuff, but they don't want everyone going into tribal being like, oh, Danny is so obviously going, what's the point? To me, this was a good decoy boot episode for Parvati, where we even get things like Adam say she's one of the greatest players of all time. We get Denise saying, can I give her an idol? <laughs> like, um, we get Rob saying, like, you want to go after Parv? Sorry, Danny, you're gone. Like, they're already, like, to me, overhammed the Danny boot. They had to give some, like, they had to do some stuff to kind of like put some doubt in people's mind. Hmm. And to me, Parvati looked fine. Like she was a little quiet. If anything, that's good for her longevity. They're not going to just boot her out of nowhere. Um, it is Parvati to me. I just, I, she's Rob behind Ben is my number two here on Sally. Mostly because the same stuff we said last week where she's got good content. We know who she is. We know how she's different. We know, what she wants this week she was just the decoy boot and they couldn't get if they gave her like winter content in this episode it ruins the episode i guess that's fair to an extent but like i said this is an episode where you had danny and parvati and then ben as well and i think they did a good job of showing why ben could have gone this episode so that's where i'm like they could have left a little more room for parvati to even if she got the vote against her i think it just it just wasn't there to me, I don't know, anecdotally, me and my girlfriend were both like, oh my god, is Parvati going? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I think they actually kind of sold the story of Parvati the decoy boot well. That I, I just don't think it's worth it to 
they made it a big deal about how flipping on her would be a huge move. Right. And the Rob's protecting her. And I think that's all good stuff for Parvati. If anything, Parvati's kind of hiding behind Rob. I don't know. It just, it doesn't feel like enough, especially with that really low at the second part of the premiere. And yes, said, right. this is a bad tag team to that. Like, and I said, like, Parvi does tend to do this. She goes, like, quiet in the pre-merge, but I don't know. It just feels like she could have more agency. And it's just something where I think I need to look at winners where they've been decoy boots and maybe examine it more. Because I'm just, I think we're reading decoy boot winner edits as, like, very different. Mm-hmm. So... I'm curious I guess to, to me, that's the thing is like, even Parvati, like, she's Parvati, right? Like, she's super, like, when you think of her, you think in your face, loud, bombastic player. You look at her edit in Micronesia, and she wasn't really there in the pre merge that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it's easy to dismiss her just because of that when they do edit female winners, not super in your face. Mm hmm. I guess here's here's a thinking point. Even if she, she was a decoy boot this episode, but like we didn't see her talk to anyone but Rob and Ethan. Yeah. Like I guess there's a point where she people obviously want to connect to her. Why is she not would she not shown connecting with them and That's at least true. having some sort of back and forth? We did see Denise want to give her the idol though. Yeah, but I'm saying they didn't actually speak. You're right. In that You're second right. part of the episode, if Parvati is in some sort of trouble, like show her talking to people. True. Yeah. You have a good point there. Like, it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. I love her. I hope she wins. I think that's another issue with Sully, too, is like, it feels not like this very complicated web of people, but <laughs> almost these like chains where like Ben talks to Ethan, who talks to Ben, who talks to Michelle, who talks to Jeremy and Adam. And like, Mm -hmm. there's not like triangles or anything. It's just, (laughs) that's a good point. You're right. Like Mm -hmm. that is like, ultimately this is the tribe that is way less likely to win. Like, unfortunately, but that brings us to Boston, Rob Mariano. Who I think had a fantastically awesome character episode. Mm -hmm. Like Rob's clearly playing so well he deserves so much credit for that right he's in that sort of position where people want to go against him but they don't know how Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like they can't figure out the right combination of people to talk to which is i think the ultimate sign of somebody who is important but also really good it's really easy to just point at people who are visible and be like they're playing too hard Mm -hmm. this is boston rob and people want him out and have vocalized wanting him out and they cannot find a way like that's insane he's done He's kind of decided the votes. Mm-hmm. He's playing really well. He's made some people look foolish. I think this is kind of a celebration of Boston Rob. Right. And I and guess... As, oh, go ahead. No, you go. I guess I'm going to expand into something that we should have probably covered earlier, but I totally forgot. Rob completely, like, blew that challenge, but there's no focus on, like, bad challenge performance. And, I mean, I don't know if it's a story or not, per se, but, like, there's no focus on challenge ability, I feel, in this. None. Like... No one cares if you do good or bad. It's just about whether you win or lose. And yeah, I wouldn't completely endorse that just because we did get like Rob or Ethan say like, Rob, you sucked. But he wasn't in danger from it. They had a good laugh about it. So true. If anything, it's funny, right? It's yeah. um, Yeah, you're right. And I I think this season is probably his game changers where this is just like a thank you season almost. But I think he could go really far. He's a complicated one. Because he's tied to Amber, so your kind of question is what Amber getting his, like, part of his story in some way. Um, 
I would say his episodes are okay. Once again, he has the problems of Parvati where he had a bad episode, second half of that premiere. He, it's the sort of chain structure of Sele is working against him, even though he gets to talk to more people. It's still like, like he says, like, that was my bad boys. And it's like, he's talking to all the boys. It just doesn't feel very, <laughs> like yeah. he's expanding outward. Um, yeah, I, I have him above Parvati, but like, I don't know. Don't feel very strongly about him all winning. your stuff about how Amber is a winner contender made me higher on Rob, to be honest. Like, because mm-hmm. that that relationship is really, really obviously they are married um, and they're survivor icons. But it, there's a lot of color to it in the season. You know, what I mean, like mm-hmm. they've gone beyond. She's just his wife. They've gone beyond. They're just married. It's like it's an existential question of survivors. Like, how do you interact with? A married couple on Survivor. That it could feels... just be a question, but they've gone pretty far into it. And they've developed Amber in a way that I think Rob winning in this season necessitates Amber being a fully realized character. Right. It it's feels... family content. It's Va- Jeremy crying about Val in Cambodia, but Amber's there on the season and you can see her. Mm-hmm. It feels more realized than any like um, of the pairings on a Blood versus Water season. Mm-hmm. Like no one seems to care. Like the or not that no one seems to care, but the edit never seems to care as much about these two people who are very closely related playing the game together and having to deal with that. It's never been as strong, I feel, as it is here. Agreed. Which honestly, that's the thing is, if Rob was Bob and not um, <laughs> Survivor Icon Boston Rob, I I might have him as number one for that reason. The problem is he is Boston. Rob. I 100% and he's playing really well and this is a thank you so right it lowers his chances quite a bit but yeah. th- on paper it's there Boston Rob winning is I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens it's very boring like you know what I mean like he's the figurehead of Sele so he's mm-hmm. going to and like a way that this season doesn't feel like the rest of it is boring that's and I true. guess that's dangerous because like game changers is sort of that way too but i wouldn't say sarah was the figurehead though early that's like, she's true. pretty invisible that's pretty true it wasn't it, until the merge yeah it's like you sort of have the sophie tony tyson trio of these very three very different like i mean they're not vastly different but they're different enough edits that it's interesting and then to have like rob with this like boring like cp5 like here's how the tribe is going down yeah it's like it doesn't Makes sense with the rest of the season, I feel. Yeah, like in a way, you don't want the winner to be Boston Rob summarizing everything, dominating everything. Mm-hmm. Especially when you have nine other winners on it. Yeah. Like, who obviously have the capability to talk strategically or talk interestingly about what's going on. Yeah, like he's really dummying them and can play. Like to me, like if Boston Rob's the next boot, like I've always been a Rob skeptic. And I think I firmly plant him as maybe the best winner of all time just after this season alone like that's uh, like the shocking thing to me i did not expect that to happen where he is really making the nine other people maybe some asterisks not included <laughs> look pretty not great like he's clearly the most charismatic other than parvati by a massive margin he seems mm-hmm. to have good decision making skills mm-hmm. i think his decision to cut danny in like first rope danny into the fold is like a loyal goat and then realize she's too much of a goat. She's a liability to be brilliant play. Like 
high level fantastic survivor play from someone that came from season four yeah and just like you can point so far to the most rob moments as like wow that's good play like mm-hmm. the way he interrogates ben is like so like gameplay like i get it like the bag emptying scene like just all these good points like rob is a good player like mm-hmm. i may not like watching rob on my screen but like he knows how to play this game and get what he wants in it. Yeah, my hot take, I guess, is like if I said Danny shouldn't have like come out because it killed her legacy. Like I don't think anybody on the internet arguing that Boston Rob only won Redemption Island because a bunch of scrubs like have any credibility because he's making Adam and Denise and Ethan and Jeremy and Michelle and maybe even Parvati look like bad players. Mm-hmm. He just kind of has that effect on people. They love him but they're scared of him in a way that like is really um, bizarre and unusual. Yeah. He's definitely the one whose legacy at this point is the most improved. Yeah. I'd say. Like there's no one even close. Like Sophie is really just playing about the same as she was just proving that it worked. Um, Ethan, I would say like he can hang with the big dogs, which is like all that we needed really. But mm-hmm. Rob is like playing proverbial circles around some of these people. Who also won other seasons of the game, which is insane. Yeah, like, there's, like, you can't in any universe argue that he's on a bad vibe, that, like, there's, like, they're just people who love Rob or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, the only thing is he's played more than anybody else. But, like... That that does not equate to good play. Yeah, right? Like, (laughs) I don't know. To me, there's a strong case he's the best player on, at least on this cast. Like, maybe he's on the other tribe he does bad, but... Mm, Just to wait, Kim is gonna... Kim's gonna redeem herself. Yeah, right? Like, yeah, especially when, like, the debate was Kim versus Rob, right? Like, some people said Sandra, uh, they're wrong. But um, as, yeah. like, the most dominating player? Like, I'm sorry, Rob has a bigger threat on his back than Kim. Like... Yeah, at least the same. Like... Yeah, same or above, right? Like... They essentially did the same thing to their winning season, where they played so good at what they made the season bad. Yeah, that's the thing, is Kim gets a lot of credit for that being her first time playing, right? And that's a Mm -hmm. that's positive but like rob rob effectively did they did the same thing where they completely neutralized the game um Mm -hmm. and it was completely about their choices and their choices won rob isn't getting any of the like getting shut out of conversations people are acknowledging that they are scared of him and they are aware of how scary he is Mm -hmm. they're powerless to do anything about it to me that firmly puts rob above kim Hmm. i will say if we're thinking about Rob as a winner, first episode, he's like, Danny told me the truth. I can use that to help me. I'm gonna work with her. Uh, this episode, 180, like, gotta go. <laughs> like, and it's, I feel like there wasn't enough connect between that. I like, guess. But like, when you think about it, like, he did kind of say, at the end of the day, truth is what matters to me. That's like, at Tribal, he says, truth is what we're all looking for. I think that's been a theme this season. Mm-hmm. and at first he read danny as a like a bad but honest person mm-hmm. and then when she was targeting poverty he's just like oh she's she's bad bad you know like it, it's a different thing when he's like she poverty's not targeting you danny like he knows <laughs> that so he sees her as just like disloyal mm-hmm. before that she was just targeting rob i think that's a really mature strategy to be like she's targeting me i can still work with her oh she doesn't learn kill her is the sure. shame on me like you know shame on you whatever you know like fool me one fool me once shame on you fool, fool me twice shame on me or whatever um mm-hmm. 
he's not going to let Danny flip on him twice. I guess the thing is, I see that as it played out, but I don't see enough of it connected in the edit to make sense. But don't you think if they did any more of that, like Rob already was like, you went after poverty, you're dead to me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If Rob then said, explained even more, it's so obvious Danny's going. All right. I okay. just think that's kind of an important, like, sure cliffhanger there like mm-hmm. so yeah maybe, that's boston rob yeah maybe we'll get a scene touching on it like the beginning of next episode being like yeah that's 100 percent in the realm of possibility right like i liked i liked uh, danny but she was too much of a liability sorry mm-hmm. but i don't even think he needs that honestly like yeah mm-hmm. which brings us to danny oh danny oh danny like i don't think you could get a better example of i'm gonna go on a little bit of a tirade here so kim enters the game and nobody wants to give her a chance because they know what she's capable of. They know, like, Sophie's like, I personally like Kim. I, if she was a stranger in the street, I'd probably work with her. But I know what she's capable of, and so I can never trust her. Mm-hmm. Danny Boatwright enters, and we see very plainly that despite targeting people, despite not giving, like, like she's like, I want Rob out for reasons, because he's a well-known name, whatever. She's willing, like, she's the opposite of Kim, where people, <laughs> like, she's able to make mistakes, and that makes people like her more like they're everybody gave this girl a second chance mm-hmm. that they didn't even give Kim a first one. They didn't even give like, you know what I mean? Like some of these people, are, Tony wasn't allowed to leave the tribe, like the camp. Right. Daniel was allowed to target openly whoever she wanted, play not great, not connect to people and still be included in both majority lines. And she still ends up the third, the second boot of a track, <laughs> third boot overall. To me, Danny is like, I'm up like, up there with bob crowley like least capable survivor players to me this was totally inept like terrible like again maybe the winners are so good it's hard to find a spot blah 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 but even in just like not finding a spot that's kim right like not going up to the wrong people not targeting parvati who's the top of the chain and you know that like you're in the alliance with her i mean that's michelle on this tribe michelle literally voted wrong at the first tribal council and then pretty secure here that's the thing is like in a season where some people aren't even being given a chance and you're on a tribe with boston rob and poverty Mm -hmm. and you've targeted them and they still want to work with you because they realize that you're kind of (laughs) manipulatable and you still end up getting voted out unanimously right after like i'm sorry but danny's a bad player like maybe she lost it or whatever, but like, I don't think anything in Nicaragua ever showed her to be a particularly good player. It was all conjecture that she spouted. She said, I played really well and they didn't show it and people believed it. I like, mean, I don't know. I'm, I was always a skeptic of that myth, but I think once and for all, she's the only person on the cast that I was willing to be like in both ways. If she played really well, I was willing to be like, Oh, she was a good player. All, all along i was wrong but also if she plays bad like the myth wasn't true she had way more legacy on the line than all the other players on this cast because hers wasn't determined there was this ethereal component to it that you couldn't quite touch you could never quite confirm whether she played bad, bad or good in nicaragua because she had Guata- this oh yeah sorry um. <laughs> i said nicaragua twice i meant guatemala they're both like four syllable words sorry um you know I mean she had this ethereal quality to it Right, and we now see what she actually looks like on the beach, and it's not great. Well, yeah, we saw what she looked like on a beach because she was in the jungle. Yeah. No. Okay. Here, here's my tirade on Danny Boatwright. 
I would say it's not so much that the game has evolved since Guatemala. I think she must have had some sort of skill because the way Guatemala played out is she was the last one remaining of a minority alliance and managed to get to the end. And it wasn't just all immunity wins. So I think there's some sort of skill there. I think the game has changed a lot since then. And yes, what Danny did, what we saw was not good gameplay. Like, (laughs) even if you're left out of the vote or conversations, you don't go to one of your former alliance members and ask them to vote out another alliance member. Mm -hmm. That's not how it works. That being said, there is some sort of bizarre gap in the Danny of like Premier, the Premier Danny versus where Danny was before Tribal. Because even if she's manipulatable she's like firmly in an alliance she's fine when we get to her in this episode she's like outcast from that alliance already presumably already this unanimous boot and like i can't i don't know what sort of things would have happened in between unless like the parvati thing was more stretched out than we thought or she's doing other wild things i just can't make sense of the story that led to this tremendous downfall for danny i guess that's a fair point mostly i guess to me i read it as she was not excluded. They, she, like, you know what I mean? Like, we saw one shot of three of them talking, but they were talking about Danny included in that vote. You know what I mean? Like, should we do Jeremy or Michelle? Mm-hmm. They didn't say Danny. Like, they seemed to be in, like, lockstep with Danny. She just was not in that talk. Yeah. And I then think... Danny took that as poverty's against me, must vote out poverty. I think like, even if it... poverty was against her, it's bad play, right? Mm-hmm. Like, even from her perspective of poverty's turned on me, she's no longer an ally. You still don't target poverty there. Right. And that's the thing that I'm missing is from no angle does what she did make sense. Additionally, just the like obvious mis- the cut and dry mistakes she made. Like I think maybe her biggest downfall is she just can't read anything. Mm-hmm. Or at least in this case. Like I wonder if she thought she was being excluded, but it was more on her part that she wouldn't include herself, Mm -hmm. which is like sad, but like that might be the scenario. It's her whole targeting poverty. It's yeah. I think it's just a read problem more than anything else. And maybe, maybe in Guatemala, if you think about how that plays out, you have this majority alliance that almost wants to self-implode. So all Danny has to do is worm her way in with whatever fraction of that is going to vote with them and then get that. And I also think, honestly, the last, like, I think seeing 40 seasons of Survivor, like, we've kind of... At least I would say I've kind of realized that being the last one voted out of your tribe doesn't necessarily mean you played particularly well. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like when you look at the people that are the last survivors of their tribe, like if you did Survivor last members of the Pagonging, you end up with a lot of losing finalists, a lot of goat. Um, One winner named Laurel Johnson. Right? Like (laughs) Abby Maria. Like, I guess Mike's that's wrong because Mike's scooping, but um well lisa and lisa yeah so that was a bad <laughs> example but um yeah I, yeah I get what you mean though that's it's who like you end up with you end you up don't... with the person that they don't take seriously yeah, that's especially... dr mike like mm-hmm. it's not your power players it's not like and if it is that's a sign that they're good just because they're the last one doesn't necessarily mean that like it's brett right and uh samoa like right like well, cgi brett, I think like... brett was secretly good but that's 
a discussion for a different time, different podcast. But thinking about Guatemala, yeah, you had Brandon and Gary go before Danny. Mm-hmm. And they were definitely bigger threats, I would say. So 100%. Like, I don't know. I just, to me, it's like in Paganging Survivor, like, you don't necessarily, like, it's Cochrane in South Pacific, right? right? Like, who, sure, he won after the fact, but in the, like, going into Caramoa and Car- Cochrane was a joke. Mm hmm. Who made like the worst move of all time. That's who you usually end up with at the end of a Paganging. And honestly, she was seen as a more beatable than Rafe, right? Like, yeah, that was her survivor story. Um, probably Drew too, right? Like, I don't know what the survivor historians say on Rafe versus Stephanie, but like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it's just, I think, trying to explain what happened with Danny Boat right here. Is just it's a weird one. Certainly, it's what we said though, right? Like we preseason, we were like, does she even watch Survivor? I think no, no. I, I think she, she didn't know when Ben won. I I honestly <laughs> think that is to be true. Like to Which me, this the... showed a complete lack of understanding of the game. She seemed in over her head. Even right. in episode one, she's targeting Boston Rob immediately, and her mm-hmm. reasoning is he won. Bef- he won well. Like he, he played a lot of games. He played a lot of games. It was very basic and mundane. Mm-hmm. And then, like, here she's going up to Ben and talking about the Old People Alliance. And then I think that's bad. But when Ben's like, oh, this is kind of awkward. You know, I won like two seasons ago, right? She's like, there's no majority alliance. What do you mean? Old people don't work together. That's ridiculous. Like, well, it, it was interesting because the way she said it was like, well, Rob wants the old school people to stick together, which is very salvageable, I think, at that point. Like, you can say, oh, look at Rob. He just wants us all to stick together, but I want to work with you. It's just everything she did after that was a mess. Yeah, she, like, and it, like, it was one thing when Rob went up to her and was, were you trying to vote me out? And she gave, like, a crappy answer to that, but it was, like, truthful. <laughs> so he was able to be like, okay, whatever, she's reliable. Mm-hmm. This time she did the same thing. She reacted, like, like, uh, 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 uh. She couldn't think of an answer. Mm-hmm. She's completely out of her league here. And that was with Ben. Mm-hmm. Like Ben made her look like Ben looked like to Rob. Right. Like I, I'll give some credit to whatever last week when she couldn't t- give uh, Rob a good answer. But that was Ben. Like it's just Ben. Mm-hmm. Not that she really knows the difference between the two. But um, to me, poor Danny just I like, I don't know. I don't think she did anything particularly good in Guatemala. That's always <laughs> been my opinion. Um, but now that I, she's yeah. on Edge of Extinction, we can talk about her amazing chances of winning from here on out. Like maybe that would be funny. I don't know. It would be like like we she's the Chris Underwood got voted she's out after boot. blowing up her game on the third boot. Yeah, and targeting the biggest threat for no reason. No, I mean just talking about what she's done. She looks like unfortunately, whether you like her or not, she looks so dumb. Like yeah. in what she's done and. I say that as still kind of a Danny stan. Like, I like her for what she brought to the seasons, but not good gameplay. And yeah. Yeah, I can't see her winning. Like, you're going to have some sele on that jury because it's Edge of Extinction, and they're never going to vote for the person they unanimously booted at Final 18. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. I don't think there's a chance Danny wins. Partly because I think also, like, why did she win Guatemala? They hated Stephanie. Right. Like they, I remember they were even like, they didn't particularly love Danny. Like mm-hmm. it was a very firm anti Stephanie vote for a number of jurors. Right. I don't know. I just, unless both are hated, but I don't think anyone's going to be as hated as Stephanie was in that season. Like they were right. actually it, like personally hurt by Stephanie. Mm-hmm. 
And we've talked about it being an all winter season and how the jury is less likely to be like bitter as they mm-hmm. understand sort of how the game is played. So I agree. So that brings us to the predictions part of the show. Who's leaving next, Joe? Oh, I have not even considered this. Um, but I would say in my risky picks, I think I'm going to pick uh, Tony from DeCal. <gasps> and hmm, I think I don't know from Sully. Like, it feels like I can go maybe Adam. Yeah, I'm going with, for the third freaking time. <laughs> I'm going with Adam. I feel like I, that might be a mistake because he might be our long term villain. He gives me Bradley vibes. That's kind of where I was getting to. But I think we did the same with Bradley. Yeah, that's the thing. Bradley made it. He was the last mer- like last pre-merge. So, yeah. But um, it's like, who else goes? Maybe Ben. No, maybe Den- want- like, Denise takes the fall or... Get these big characters out. No Ben, no Tony. And then for me, I'm going to go with Undercall Sandra. Uh, she has that idol, though. True. Oh, in which, case, which case, I it's actually Tyson. Yeah, no, you're Because right, I do think Tyson. they target Sandra and go for it, and then Tyson gets idled out. And that makes sense with his Edge of Extinction thing. Because mm-hmm. honestly, Tyson doesn't make sense with this group. It's a weird, like... You know what I mean? It's a weird, uh, like, I, I can't really see him melding with the other people there. But mm-hmm. it could also be Kim. Kim with the idol could get idled it by Sandra and try to play it. And... Right. Yeah, so I'm retroactively picking Kim, actually. Final answer. My Kim thoughts are too high. I can't. <laughs> Prediction. What dumb advantage will be in the next episode on Edge of Extinction? Um, hmm. The idol nullifier, of course. It's got to come back at some point. I'm going to call an extra votes going in Jeremy's pocket from Natalie. That's probably more realistic. Yeah, because, yeah. like, now we have Danny to compete against Amber and Natalie. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm oh. sure she's going to solve the clues. If she did, that would be amazing. If that was her real strength all along. It's like <laughs> Danny Boatwright, escape room champion. <laughs> yeah, that would be very funny, actually. Um, but similar to Amber, where she's just like, there must be more to this clue. <laughs> Maybe I'll check in tomorrow. And Natalie's already <laughs> She's still looking like she's taking that poem home with her. I'm yeah. Like, I'll figure this out someday. Yeah. She has it like in a book, like a meditative like, Cohen. <laughs> yeah. Um. So my winner contender list is Sophie. Number one, Tony. Number two, Tyson. Number three, Ben. Number four and Parvati. Number five. Uh, I'm going Sophie. Number one, Tyson. Number two, Amber. Number three, Tony. Number four. And we're not putting any more names on. And Kim number five. five. I think I was jostled that around a bit, but it's still like the person I don't know who I would put next, but I don't think they are near this top four in any sense of the word. That's wild that all your picks are to call. Uh, Well, I mean, I don't hate it. Like (laughs) if I was a little bit more bold, I'd probably do that. I Um, see. I didn't think that's how it would end up because I was I had Ethan and Parvati laugh in the premiere. I was like, yeah, I'll probably balance this out more than I thought. And then I ended up picking all the call. So mm-hmm. sort of coincidence sort of shows the truth, I suppose. For sure. Um, which brings us to the end of our show. You can email us at, us at always at the winner edit at gmail.com. Um, we have new episodes on Sundays, sometimes Saturdays, sometimes Fridays. Depends when we get to record, but sometime over the weekend. You'll see it in your podcatcher. If yeah. you're listening this far in, you probably know where to find us. Exactly. We're on Spotify. We're on all the podcasting. The subreddits. Uh, subreddits. We post on our Edgic, our Survivor. Um, if you're one of the freeloaders uh, listening on SoundCloud, it seems that the majority of our listeners have moved to a podcasting thing, which is awesome. Thank you to subscribers. Um, 
But if you're just listening on SoundCloud, uh, subscribe on a podcast, podcasting app. They're way more convenient uh, to get us into your ears. Also, you can listen to like so many other podcasts. Like, yeah, Serial? podcasts are great. It's great. Um, someone this week sent me an email. Uh, this is our good friend, Mail Me Guy Feet, our <laughs> uh, uh, token emailer. And he somehow thinks Danny's going to win. Um, I believe he sent me this right before the episode. So, um, poor Danny and poor Mail Me Guy Feet. Yeah, I wanted to bring this up in the episode. Um, and sorry, Mail Me Guy Feet. Sometimes you miss uh, swing for the fences and you miss a little bit. But, but I mean, if it's right before the episode, we talked about how Danny had this sort of okay edit slash yeah, sup- like second boot material. Yeah, part of, and like you're right. Like honestly, good job calling the pre-merge uh, boot goddess, right? Well, no, I thought it was Parvati. So yeah, true, true, true. Um. I was obviously talking about mail me guy feet, but it, uh, oh, his okay. Reddit name, which is <laughs> I mostly want to read the email because it's real, but uh, it's a funny name. You can follow me on Twitter at Danny kills bees. Follow Joe at J Chapman 9000. Have a lovely week. See you all next time.